you're listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I'm your host, Mike Petchy. Come on in, grab a seat. If you notice the microphones are set up, that means we have our guest coming in studio today. So don't take his seat, move down, push down, get to the end of the couch there. Um, very exciting because uh, we're back in the world of cinematography. It's quite obvious why I love it. You guys know that I spent some uh, brief period of time as a cinematographer early in my career. Uh, and uh, that time shooting documentaries and music videos and even shooting some film stuff uh, really informed my work as a director, uh, really helped me develop my skills as a visual storyteller. And I uh, am incredibly thankful for it. I have a greater understanding of how the crew works. I have a greater understanding of how production design works. Um, it is, in my opinion, it is one of the coolest departments out there. The world of cinematography, the camera department, the lighting department. This is where the magic really happens in movies. And yes, there is a magic that happens when an actor gets on screen and they dig deep and they fall into a character and they start to perform a stranger. Uh, strange words come out of their mouth and suddenly they're uh, from another time, another dimension, another planet. That stuff is cool to see. But I really think that the magic on movie sets is with the camera and lighting department. I really do. Um... Today's episode is going to be a bit different than our normal cinematography episodes because uh, our guest and I talk in length about shooting found footage movies. Now, you've heard my opinion on found footage stuff in the past. I think that uh, it's often overplayed in features. I think that uh, it is very restrictive and sometimes if it's done terribly, it can be incredibly boring. But if done right and those restrictions are used in the right way, it really can open your mind as an artist and really challenge you to focus more so on the visual language than if you had all the tools at your disposal. And oftentimes you get lost in a world of tech specs and what kind of camera you're using and you know what's the resolution of this rig. All that stuff, you know, blissfully gets tossed out the window when you decide to shoot on, on a dad cam. You decide to shoot on an old VHS unit that only has, you know, 780 fucking pixels of resolution. You know, it's like there is something so gratifying in just like letting that noise fall away and just telling a story with actors. So um, we're going to get into it. Today's guest, Alexander Chanisi, I said it right. Tanisi. Uh, he is the cinematographer for the upcoming VHS 85, which is going to be on Shutter. I think it will be on Shutter by now. Um, and uh, if you are fans of the VHS franchise, uh, you know what it's about. But some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. The VHS franchise is a series of anthology movies, right? So each one that is released, they usually have some sort of theme, some sort of a fence that's sort of set around the filmmakers to play in. And for this one, for VHS 85, it's, I, it's supposed to be happening in 1985, in the 80s, I assume. And uh, it's all found footage. And I haven't seen it yet. I've seen the trailer for it. You should check out the trailer. I will put the trailer up at inlovewiththeprocess.com on today's episode page. It will be there. But uh, from what I understand, it's it's sort of like a bunch of different stories all strung together on one VHS tape, which is cool. Um, and so Alexander and I really go deep into it and, and into how 
um, you know, changing his process, changing his mindset, dropping his ego allowed him to really get lost in the fun stuff that is shooting with dad cams and the post end becoming a lot more involved with the post end of it and the VHS transfers and actually using all sorts of glitch, uh, uh, effect, not even effects, not layover effects, but all analog glitch effects using like old VCRs and magnets, um, all sorts of cool stuff to add texture, to add tone, to add character to this film. Um, we talk a little bit about, they were just at the Beyond Fest, which I didn't get into. <laughs> they were just at the Beyond Film Festival, and uh, he was saying how cool it was to uh, actually see this movie up on the big screen. Um, and uh, there's a lot of stuff here that we talk about. We talk about what it's like to work with crews and how much we love to be on set, uh, how much we love, love, love lighting. So we talk a lot about lighting. This is a love letter to lighting. Um, and uh, so if you're into cinematography and you want the candid conversation, then uh, this is the podcast for you. But before we get into it, I want to thank everybody for following me uh, on Instagram at Mike Petchy and for following the podcast on Instagram at In Love of the Process Pod. That's In Love of the Process P-O-D on Instagram. Um, yes, I have been posting. If you, if you uh, recently were up there, you saw my posts uh, about my recent trip to Louisiana, New Orleans, uh, my... <laughs> My run-in with an alligator. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, how much fun I had with my brother and my uncle. Um, How would you guys like the episode with him? Uh, my Uncle Paul Caldera, who has been an actor in so many of my projects. I hope you guys have a better understanding of the creepy guy at the end of 12KM now. I hope you do. Um, I don't know when this episode is going to drop. It probably will drop before the festivals, but yes... The news is true. Come Home has gotten into a few film festivals, a few big ones. I'm excited. We're in Nightmares Film Festival, and we're also in a Film Quest. Um, so we will be having episodes coming uh, about both those events uh, as the weeks progress, and we will be doing podcasts from Utah. As of now, we will be doing podcasts from Utah. Still working out the details, but yes. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Another trip, another trip. So many trips this year. It's crazy for a boy that's not working a lot. A lot of trips, you know, and check that bank account after all this. <laughs> um, but anyway, let's not delay it any further. Alexander and I have a lot to talk about. Um, and uh, check out, uh, I'll put a link to all of his work in the description of today's episode, as well as a link to the In Love With The Process page. Um, so you can check out his work, some, see the, some of the trailers from his work. Here's a little nugget for those of you who are In Love With The Process fans. He is the DP on Bandit. Alan was the director. We had him on the show. He also shot the Uncharted fan film that we talked about on the podcast. So full circle, long full circle, man. Guests that know each other, people that know each other. And, you know, that's how the business works, right? Anyway, that's the deal. He's on his way in now. So, uh, yep, sit back, relax. Don't don't say too much. Keep it quiet, right? You don't want to scare him, you know? Let him come in here. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the brand new episode of Love of the Process.
Alex, thanks for being on the show. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. This has been a little while. We've been trying to make this work for a little bit. Yeah. No, I'm glad. I'm glad we did. It's uh, strike time, so <laughs> we've got time. <laughs> Although things seem to be lifting, you know. Yeah. No, I think the end is in sight. Yeah. 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 The writer stuff is done. My, I, I talked to my manager for the first time in like fucking five months yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's yeah. like, "What's going on? What are you doing? What are you working on?" Right. You right. Know? Right. So I think no, people things, are hungry. Things are going to explode. Uh, it's 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 good, and you got to cherish the, uh, you know, the down times with your with your folks, with your people, with your family, with your friends. So yeah, you know, trying to make the best of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, so you've been. Uh, did you do? Did you hit the festivals? You've been running around at the festival circuit right now, right? Yeah. So uh, it's been a very long time on that front, but VHS eighty five. Um, did we did Fantastic Fest in Austin, mm-hmm. and then just Beyond Fest the other day, which is great because it's been years for me in mm-hmm. terms of doing that. And um, how was the experience? Fantastic. Uh, well, pun Jesus. Um, uh, <laughs> Fantastic <Yeah>. Fest <laughs> was really really enjoyable. Uh, yeah, we were in Austin, which is a fun city, and um, you know, frankly, the best part was just this is a streaming Shutter movie, and we got to see it twice in theaters with you know a whole big group of rowdy horror fans yeah fuck and it. it's a fun funny scary movie so jump scares and people being shocked uh uh laughing right at the bit like it was just like it just hit mm-hmm. everywhere you wanted it to mm-hmm. hit um so that just can't be beat and and you know you don't always get that with every project you work on so mm-hmm. i'm very grateful for that Hell yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, at this point, uh, VHS has got a really good reputation of being like a fun, you yeah. know, sit down, you know, it, it isn't just jump scares, it's weird, you know. It's, it's That's exactly right, and I think what's really cool about the people that, like the producers and whatever who've been kind of like on for a long time now, is that um, it's a place for filmmakers kind of some kind of coming up and, and some who've been around for a minute to come in and the mandate is basically do whatever you want. And, and as Josh Goldblum says, um, one of the producers, uh, do whatever, like you would have been told no on other projects, Mm. which is really cool. Um, and I think everybody kind of lands in and goes, Oh, found footage. This is completely different, which I kind of went in a little, snobby about like uh, found footage you know um right because that seems to restrict you as a cinematographer that can restrict a lot of what you would normally do right completely but but then it everybody kind of has the same experience which is oh my god this is liberating and and really exciting um so it does uh i've said now like it kind of changed me as a filmmaker and in a way um what do you mean um i mean that we study film language um you know be it school or when you're watching stuff when you're making stuff and we have like a certain tool set that we utilize some people hate split diopters some people mm-hmm. want to rack focus all the time you know what i mean like there's all these different elements and found footage is a it is a different language completely um and so it's just like i can give you an example my job is to make things look usually make things look really good and pretty and blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, my job on this was kind of to make it look bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind right. of, you know right, what I mean? Right, like right, it's right. more complicated than that, but, 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 but that is, it's exciting to be challenged with something that is so different than what you normally 
do and obsess over. Mm-hmm. And that was that was invigorating. So why did it make me a different filmmaker? I think because it just stretched me in different ways. It challenged me in different ways. And not that I, I I'm not necessarily interested in doing lots of found. I, I don't know if a feature might be too much yeah. to be, you know, I don't mean to shortchange myself, but the short sort of is a nice bite size. Yeah. Um, but I, but still I, I'm not the type of DP where I like to just kind of do the same thing over and over again or like what Alex's style is. I'm the, the chameleon thing that some DPs do that like want new challenges and try different genres, or whatever. That's much more up my alley. Mm-hmm. And this was just an area that I didn't think I'd ever land in. And when Dave Bruckner, who directed this, the section I did, or the segment I did, he's a very, very, very good filmmaker and someone I respect a lot. So you don't say no to that, mm-hmm. you know? And then from there, it just got so much more interesting and exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what kind of, uh, well, <clears throat> so the process, cause I've done a lot of, uh, like old, we call it dad cam shit. So like old mm. VHS and yeah. I've done like a bunch with videos and shorts and stuff. And it, I find it, uh, incredibly liberating too, because you're essentially hyper-focusing on one specific language mm. that, uh, really, the more you, what you end up having to do, because I started as a cinematographer myself. So what, yeah. you, what you end up having to do is you have to like shed your pretentiousness <laughs> to a certain extent. Yeah. And it's like this weird sort of like growth moment where you're like, uh, okay, so all the fucking tools that I would normally use to convey emotion don't necessarily exist. But then there's something uh, enlightening about it because the audience if they sign on to this and they understand that this is a found footage movie, then they're going in prepared. They're already yes. prepped for this. Yeah. So yep. now you could start fucking with their notions of how found footage is seen and put together. Totally. And, and, and I totally agree with you with like the, the like ego death of it all. You know, like <laughs> yeah. it is, it is very, very real. And, and that part of it, I really enjoyed, especially because my peers and I, we have a little bit of a, you know, we get into an echo chamber as fellow DPs mm-hmm. and we're pixel peeping and, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, all that type of stuff. And I love that stuff. I I, I do it all the time. Um, but this was a great moment to be reminded that we're here to serve the audience. That's what matters most. And like, I, I can give you one really good example was the camera that we shot on was a 1982 Magnavox that was <laughs> 480 lines of resolution. <laughs> so cool. I saw it blown up on a screen. We scanned it through VHS transfer a bunch. Of, we beat the shit out of this thing. And it was scary. And there were moments where it was like, oh boy, you know, we're talking, I don't know, four or five stops at dynamic range, all the technical <laughs> stuff I could go into. And it looks amazing. Yeah. And I don't say that. I, I, I'm very, very, I'm my harshest critic. Yeah. Um, and so again, it sort of brings me back to this idea of like the things that we maybe sweat over, mm-hmm. letting go of that and remembering, you know, and I, I've felt this way for a long time now, but but it was a true example of like, right, this is, this is what matters is this experience for them and that's it, not this other stuff. Not that you shouldn't care about that stuff and sure. honestly lose sleep over it, sure. but why are you losing sleep over it? Is it sure. because you want to you know, claim it or is it for the, I, I think it's all about the audience at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, I mean, I also feel like, and I've talked about this a bit on the show. I feel like a lot of what happens as a shooter and as a cinematographer and as someone that gets into the gear, our industry as of, you know, I started in 99. So I saw sort of the rise 
of the digital world. Yeah. And then with the rise of that were all these companies that were just heavily competing to be top dog in that digital world. And so then it all became about like what uh, it, it was gear f front for everything. Yes. Yeah. For the cinematographers and also the producers. They were all reading through mm -hmm. the mags and going like, oh, fuck, if we get a red one, then this is going to yes. be the shit. Like, yeah. And so th there became the sort of this weight around our necks, like an anchor around our necks on the, on equipment. Yes. And it was yeah. more about like who owns gear and who can I get on set and who knows how to turn this thing on right. instead of like, you know, what are the storytelling techniques yeah. and what is your language as, yeah. a, as a storyteller? And I, I would assume that when you sort of stripped all this stuff away, you can be hyper fucking focused on your language at that point. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's not, I mean, yeah, you definitely have to, I think you have to go it's so it's so typical everybody says it but the like story first thing but it is real mm -hmm. and it's a it is a challenge I, I struggle with it all the time where my brain immediately goes to logistics and tools and yeah, yeah. you know i have a sort of managerial producer-esque like brain on on that aspect because what we do in live action is and production is my world it's like so deeply connected to reality <laughs> and just <laughs> dealing with the things that are in front of you um but the challenge, I think, is to constantly remind yourself that the tools should come after yes. the previous decision making, not yes. the other way around. And yes, you're absolutely right. I run into that all the time and will continue to. It's just a part of it. And I think the thing I keep coming back to is it's about the people that you work with and the personalities and sort of, you know, mm -hmm. the people who understand that that's not a priority mm -hmm. or that, you know, this camera choice is going to completely change everything. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's an amalgamation of all of it, you know? Well, dude, I learned it pretty early on when I was doing music videos back in the day and we were shooting um, stuff for MTV. I, I was lucky enough to get my stuff on MTV before MTV stopped doing that shit. And we were doing like metal videos and we would end up on Headbangers Ball and we'd be uh, lined up with like... Oh, I uh -oh. thought this might happen in the middle of this interview. What's going on? Do you know about this? No. Okay, so um, it's Stop. a test. Stop. Uh, yeah, can we get it to... There Stop. it goes. Okay. Go. So they, they've been warning people about it in the news, but um, they decided to do a full-on national test for like <laughs> the entire United States, supposedly. Uh -huh. And they were just sort of warning like, don't freak out. Yeah, this but, is to see if the system works. Sure. We can put our tinfoil hats on for a sure, sec if we want. Sure, sure. <laughs> we also want to see how quickly we could freak everybody out at yeah, the same time. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I unplug myself from the system as much as I possibly can. Right, um, right. And I thought I shut that off, so apparently that overrides the shutoff. I think that's maybe what they're also looking at, right, is that it's like, you yeah. know. I don't know. A meteor is coming. We didn't see it. Exactly. You know. or, or go buy toilet paper. Like yes. instantly. Now. <laughs> now. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for fucking interrupting my show, guys. Yeah. I um, love it. So what I was saying is that I learned when uh, we were we were up against 35 millimeter and 16 millimeter music videos, and we shot on mini DV with sure. like lens adapters, yeah. early lens adapters, and it looked great. Yeah, and no, I did it. I did it in college too. It was yeah, yeah. Looks great, man. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's very forgiving about what we do uh, visually is that if we set the rules mm -hmm. when you start, and we we play within the rules that we set, the audience will go for it a thousand percent. Which is why that that immediate 
introduction and you could even i mean you can go into like pr and advertising and whatever like how does an audience get introduced so, mm -hmm. to something or the the first shot of a movie or whatever it may be i agree with you it's everything i, di I did a movie last year it'll be it'll be out in december that um is very very stylized the director and i set out on this path like it like almost looks like like creep show like it's just like super crazy cool. colorful and whatever else and it's really important for that first shot to just immediately tell the, the audience like this is not going to be your normal thing. Same thing with the VHS found footage thing where that's that's simpler, I think, because the conceit is just immediately like you're watching a tape right yeah. now. Yeah, and yeah. so everything is just kind of taped on this thing. It's physical. It's analog. Um, and I agree with you. They're smart. I think it's just about how, how do you set them up yeah. for are they and if they are surprised at some point in the, the journey of watching it. How successfully do you sort of do that, maybe that transition or that switch or whatever else? Mm -hmm, and it's mm -hmm. always so interesting to me when audience members, I love talking to um, my wife and I call them muggles, people that are not in the film industry. Muggles. Because you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's so much of this echo chamber of, of within, within our, um, you know, the, the people like, we've seen behind the curtain, sure, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's so interesting to me when they just like immediately, like something doesn't work for them. And they're kind of vague about it. They're like, ah, no, I didn't, I didn't. And, you know, and they're like, why though? Like why studying kind of like, what is the reason that didn't? Sure. And I think it's interesting to sort of, you know, look into it's, it's so many things, but, but. I mean, it what? could be, it could be anything. It could be the fact that, you know, there's a redhead in it and they used to get beat up by redheads. In no, high exactly. It's like, yeah, that, that's, there is no real answer, but I love kind of investigating into sure. that. And then in terms of my job, how does that get, you know, Am I am I easing them in in that way? Sure, sure. You know, sure. Whereas I do think the conceit of found footage, so you do have like like an hour piece. We we are doing basically like an old TV documentary. Mm -hmm. um, so you're so that language is something that people know, and we have fun with. It's always interesting when you can play with the knowledge that the audience has. Currently has, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Which I think we, we sometimes some people uh, uh, underestimate. Mm. You know, where horror horror is a great example of like everybody. I'll never forget. I was in high school and I was with a you know high school girlfriend at the time. And we were watching a horror movie and um, the I'm just starting to like wrap my head around film language <laughs> and starting mm -hmm. to get obsessed. And uh, the camera just started slowly pushing in on a character. There was no like violin rising horror like <laughs> thing. And she she gotten a little close and kind of scrunched up next to me. And I'll never forget that moment because I was sitting there and I was like, oh shit. Psychologically. She's yeah. getting ready for the moment. Yeah. You know, and the movie cued for her and she responded. Um, and that's what it's all about. You yeah. know, like that's literally the the the, the language. language, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's neat and and I love playing with that stuff. Um Me too, man. Yeah. Me too. I mean, it's why I do horror. It's, yeah, it's, I, I feel like it's, you have a, a license when you do horror to, to go fucking off the rails when it comes to emotions and really use as many tricks up your sleeves as possible to like subconsciously drive people to the edge of their seats. I mean, that's, yeah, that's the I gig. There's less rules, you know, yeah. like, like, and don't get me wrong. I love, again, I like changing it up, but like, let's say more like naturalistic narrative drama mm -hmm. you know um it, it's it's great but but i do sometimes miss playing with the language that genre sort of allows you to play with more yeah in a sense that you sort of like it's like when tarantino talked about with kill bill like the action movie and how like it really challenges a director in that sense i um i really enjoy that kind of 
Maybe. stuff and how how it can really start to open up your toolkit if you will in a way yeah um that I, f- I think i find on a personal level usually a more enjoyable challenge and experience yeah. um yeah you know uh, uh and then there's others on that other side like trying to truly capture natural light and 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 or mimic it or whatever but um right now at least where i'm at i'm i'm enjoying more the the what feels to me like larger challenges that have kind of more broad mm-hmm. uh, uh options if that makes sense mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i get that yeah yeah well with the found footage stuff what's interesting about it is that i find that i spend so much time trying to set an unspoken tone for like the first second of mm. a movie. And that could be, obviously, that's music, it's production design, it's outfits, it's wardrobe, it's the way that the person moves, is the way that the person moves in the space. But from the visual aspect of it, it's like usually haze, it's usually smoke. It's, mm-hmm. it's There are all like these tricks that we're pulling in there. So that way, when you look at it, you go, I know what it smells like in there. I know what that <laughs> place is like. Yeah. And I feel like with uh, found footage stuff or like dad cam stuff, if I call it that, then um, it automatically does that without mm-hmm. any of those those extra stuff without all that stuff that you didn't really need. And if you start layering in that other stuff, it actually disrupts Mm. what it does automatically for you because we have this sort of preconceived notion and conception of either growing up in that time period and running around with a VHS camera during Christmas and filming people at Christmas time, or being someone that has seen enough pieces that are nostalgic for that, you don't have to fuck with it. You really just sort of go in there and go, all right, and there's something interesting about having a zoom lens that's built on these cameras and mm-hmm. like how are you telling the story with the zoom lens and like Oh yeah, that's major, especially we, because of the TV documentary aspect of it. One of the most fun things was like the heavy heavy research that we did in uh-huh. terms of it's very easy to find like you know um what's it called, like unsolved mysteries and that type of stuff was kind of what we were mimicking. But a lot of it is like early 90s and we're 85. So it was really important. I was like really intense about like, no, it has to, we can't slip into that easy. Like it's 1992. Like we we didn't want to do that. It was like, Mm -hmm. no, let's be hardcore here. And um, the way that the cameraman would, would, would sort of show, you know, zoomed in far away on something and then zoom out and then pan to the right and zoom back into whatever the reporter talking and they sort of tell the story all on sticks, stationary, sort of <laughs> studying all that and the way they lit things and the way they positioned people. We found some really funny, uh, unintentionally funny <laughs> things um, that were really enjoyable. But I agree with you with the haze. We didn't do any haze. And um, I mean, just again, the cameras, which I usually side note think that we overemphasize cameras these days but in this instance you know using a camera from the era and like an old tube camera specifically which i learned a ton about pre-ccd all that stuff um really screams the era and then all the vhs transfer stuff we did in terms of what you're talking about it's like in in i think in cinema if if we want to call it that yeah like haze is like a texture you know or like anamorphic lenses are like a texture like film halation like all these film grain you know yada yada whereas in this instance our our vhs transfer process that we did was our form of texture in that regard whereas i think yeah haze would have because the audience understands that like haze and beams of light are a part of quote-unquote cinema Mm -hmm. whereas it's not a part of this video yeah this video thing you know and again i think that they're smart to know that and those kind of conversations were interesting early on where it was parsing out that and going here's a little bag of tricks that we usually use 
like shot reverse shot coverage mm-hmm. inserts yeah you can't right. really do that unless it unless it really makes sense in a, in, in a way why would this camera person go over and go over to this or go over to that sure you know i had to actually think almost more like an actor in a way at times because i had to think like the individual who was filming the thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. usually as a cinematographer i have to disappear yeah this was like oh i'm 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 joe in minnesota <laughs> yeah. in 1983 yeah with coffee stains was, on a shirt and a yeah, fucking battery pack yeah over and your i'm shoulder. so pissed that i didn't make it as a dp in la <laughs> yeah. and now i'm back home and like i'm just trying to make ends meet and i've got this old this not no, i'm sorry this new magnavox camera that i'm pretty psyched about and I'm working for this company and I'm filming this thing. Yeah, yeah. And what it, what are the little tools I do and what what excites me? And like that was how we kind of approached each moment where I would go up to Dave, the director, and be like, I think I would stand over here. I think I, this would be my camera position because if I walked into this space and these people were talking, this is probably where, because I've shot documentaries, like this mm-hmm. is where I would go, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of stuff was really, again, totally different <laughs> and really fun. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's cool. And so when you guys are talking, when you're talking about the VHS transfers, were you guys doing glitch work and all that kind of stuff when you were running it through? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because when we when we started, it was a combination of like research into the time period and what was appropriate Mm -hmm. research into how to get these old cameras to work, which shout out Charles Pappert, who's a fantastic I mean, he started as a Steadicam op. He did, you know, ER and West Wing. He's like a a beast and and um, scrubs, uh, and then moved on to DPing, and he did a uh, Key and Peel, where mm-hmm. he Key and Peel, if you remember, did an awesome show, but like did a great job of any time they did like old school stuff, they would yes, be like very their, authentic. Their dance workout video th- yeah, that they did, that's all Charles. So yeah. Charles went and and you know he started with some of these cameras, so he went and he found them and uh, dug them up, and then Frankenstein them so they could go to recorders and batteries and Teradex and blah blah blah. So I knew that and that was awesome and and he really helped and even what was great too is he would say to me, hey, this is the filtration they would use, this is how we'd light it back then, you know, which influenced what we did. So so he was major to the aesthetic of it. And then um, our friend Forrest McLean, who he produced my wife's first feature, we go back to NYU days with him, mm-hmm. awesome guy, He's he's God bless him. He moved on to the video game industry. Uh, smart man. <laughs> but um, he uh, is like an analog. Uh, just he's obsessed. And so he's been transferring VHSs for a few years now, mm-hmm. just just as like archival from his family. Um, and then finding like old versions of Akira and stuff like that. And just like he just he loves it. And he, and he tinkers with old video game consoles and all that. Super and cool. so we yeah. knew he was into this and we brought him in and Dave, the director, sent me stuff on glitch art we found off ebay this guy had this little like pedal controller thing that would go rca in and rca out that would just distort and adjust and was crazy we bought junk vcrs and took them apart and shook up the chassis and brought magnets to it and flicked and smacked the tape as it was running through so i am proud to say that everything you see in the movie or at least for our segment particularly um all those glitches none of them are after effects like post digital nice. stuff it's nice. all real analog which was so much fun nice. one of the best part uh, again to been a, the strike it's been a slow year and mm-hmm. it's like i got to dave and i got to just obsess over this stuff and forrest <laughs> and charles were were great collaborators and you know they allowed me to sort of hit them up late at night and say hey what about this and what about that and um they never once said 
dude, go away. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff is so much. I mean, we fucked around with some of that, man. And that stuff is so much fun. You get lost in this because you're at that point, you're closer to being a musician when you're yeah, doing that transfer. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah definitely. You're, pl- you're playing it. Yes. And you're yes. playing it for emotions and you're trying to get like that that strange sort of static to roll in or maybe like a double screen or you're getting yeah. the split of colors at the right point. Right. right. Yeah, which we did all that and, and that was really fun and it was an interesting sort of balance between are we overstepping or are we not yeah yeah and i know sound i don't know much about sound but um i know they had some interesting kind of analog device as well that mm-hmm. they used sounded it, the two times i saw it in theaters it sounded awesome um very very authentic and real and and that was really neat um and at the end what we did that it was really unique and i kind of never expected because we did like a ton of testing throughout we mm-hmm. even did a whole thing where we filmed it off of a, a, a crt screen mm-hmm. didn't work it was too much but we just the whole time constant experimentation and one thing i loved about you know dave and i's collaboration was that like it was never enough until they pried it from our hands. It was like just constantly looking for more, um, which I'm sure there was some frustrated people along the way, but we we just were like this, that's like the fun of it. You said getting lost in it. Sure. But um, at the end, what was neat was that we layered the the guys at, at Soapbox who are the post guys, they, um, they did this crazy conform for us where they layered every single video track. And so we had the in-camera, which was the sharpest, and I say sharpest again, 480 lines of resolution, <laughs> mm-hmm. like 1982 camera. Um, it was like dying on us also, by the way. Like it was literally like we, when we killed one, like it was like, it was, I had 11 cameras at one point on set, including my iPhone is like an, oh fuck. Like it was cra- crazy, crazy, crazy thing. So you're taking, hold on, you're taking that low res and then you're up resing that to what, like 1080 or you guys? Well, yeah, because well, when it goes out to the recorder, it goes through a decimator and then it goes out to the recorder. Uh-huh. We were recording 1080. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. ProRes file, right? But the camera internally is, yeah, you yeah. know, a, a, a 480 image. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we just layered it all out where it was like, you know, and then it was the cleanest VHS transfer. Then it was, you <laughs> know, it just started going from there to just getting gnarly and muddy and it was really neat because we could take it and premiere and basically if we wanted something really fucked up we went with the gnarliest one and turn that on and that was the on the timeline that was the that was the video track and then say there was like a wide there's one particular wide shot where i was sort of the the vhs effect kind of killed some of the fidelity and lost some of the bite of the image that i wanted the audience to see so that was interesting because it was like all right take the in camera that's 70 percent and then we just take a little bit, 30% of like a yeah, good yeah. VHS pass and layer that over. And then now we're sort of modulating how much of a, not only glitch and 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 texture again, but also really the fidelity, the sharpness of the image, um, which again is all very, very, very low. Sure. <laughs> but no, again, but obsessing over that was really, I thought was really, really fun. That's cool, man. And that's yeah. smart because then you can really get experimental with whatever sort of muddy, you know, trashy, Tr- uh, layer that you're doing and not really be worried about it when you're actually producing it, right? Yeah. So you can actually yeah. really perform that to its extent and then go, yeah, we'll use it if we like it. We don't, we won't use it if we don't. Yeah, like it. it was actually just takes of it. You know, you just rewind and then do it again. And, and yeah, yeah. sometimes it was too much and sometimes you miss the beat, you know, just, uh, you know, that was a little off. Um, but, but really, really fun. And again, I, I don't, like, when would you ever, that's my thing is I just kept being like, when would I ever do this again? Like what a, what a random get fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
and and uh, we took it by the hand. You know, we, we just grabbed it and went for it. That's super cool, man. Yeah, that's super cool. And I, I like I said, I played with it, so I know how much fun that world is. Yeah, 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 lost yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it, like uh, when I mentioned it being like performing music, it it just felt that way. I felt so close to the footage in post, as yeah. opposed to just because you you know you're obviously close when you're performing on set and you're if you're doing camera moves, whatever the hell it is, and you're, sure. you're trying to hit your marks at the same time the actor's hitting the marks. Yeah. You yeah. feel like you're part of the song that is the narrative at that point. And then a lot of times you get into post-production as a shooter and you're like, okay, I'll color it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. And no, it's much more straightforward yeah, yeah, in that yeah. regard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this was, I was happy. I was really glad that Dave allowed me in on the process as much as he did because I think he could tell that he was like, oh, this guy is as crazy as I am. So like, we're just going to mm -hmm. go for it. And then, um, being involved in a way that I'm not normally involved, which was very, I, I use that term filmmaker a lot where it's like, and I see, I've seen it with locations people, I've seen it with everyone where it's like, you come across an individual who's a part of the team mm -hmm. who like really cares a lot about the end goal, which is making the piece as good as possible. Um, and and that was like a part of that journey was was doing that with all those guys. It's interesting, you, you were saying performing on set because something that I also thought was a really neat takeaway was that, um the end of the movie is like the seven minute one -er. mm -hmm. and uh, the the guy I'm basically playing, I'm, I'm kind of almost in the movie, like my feet are in it and whatever. And like, you know, that type of thing. Um, it kind of finally cuts away from the TV documentary and goes into like found footage, like section, um, like proper typical found footage. Um, and so we're the lead guy. We have lines. We're sort of passing back and forth which again is me as a cinematographer i'm not used to that right <laughs> and so it's one thing to hit all these marks these crazy whip pans and go over to this and there's practical effects and you know that's a whole other thing and trying to nail that um but then also realizing that i'm his name's jordan belfie he's a wonderful actor he's a great guy um we're, we're scene part. I'm his scene partner in a way when I yeah. miss a line or whatever, he, he would come up to me and say, Hey, you missed it. And, and I quickly realized that I was like, Oh, he, he needs me to do X, Y, and Z yeah. because I'm, I'm a part of this, yeah. um, in a way that I'm not normally a part of it. And even to the point where we're running and we're screaming and yelling. And that was a really interesting experience to sort of get a hint you know get a hint of what it's like to be truly in a scene with a group of people and sort of really give it your all and the more i sort of brought it up they did and we're sort of bouncing off of it and we're you're dancing when you're doing like handheld and you know mm -hmm. especially like an action scene or something like that mm -hmm. but that's so specific and technical this was like actual lines and actual you know yeah just just i don't know it was very very uh uh eye-opening to sort of experience that. <laughs> so yeah. did, you, did you join SAG now? <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm on strike. I can't be here. Um, no, yeah. it, was, it was, but it was, it was, uh, I don't know. I just, I hadn't experienced anything like that before. Super some people, cool. you know, did like theater in high school and all that. I didn't, yeah, yeah. I didn't do that, you know. That's super cool, man. Yeah. And like the, the whole performative stuff, the closest thing that I felt to that, we did a music video years ago. We did a couple of them where we were doing, basically uh, face perspective cameras. So we built mm. like a motorcycle helmet and put a camera in front of it. And then my hands are, the hands would be the hands of the folks on the screen. And so then you're timing with actors and you're handing right. things and you're doing right. things. Right, It's It's fun. You, you feel even more immersed with the blocking, which yes. is interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was major, being immersed with the blocking. And, and yeah. you know, we always have a say and to a degree and 
can influence it and so do the actors but it's like you know um there there was a, a new sort of area that i had stepped into that I, I wasn't i anticipated but but was definitely a different level when you're when you're in it yeah, you know and you're doing yeah. take after take and i was so scared about remembering my lines and all that <laughs> <laughs> I just, that was way more nerve-wracking than the operating um it's pretty funny so do you prefer to operate your own stuff when you shoot i'm super like 50 50 on that and what i mean is that it's like i actually love when I have, like, I'm down for most people are like single camera only. And like, I sometimes am super open to two cameras and, you know, I use a lot of steady cam and mm-hmm. when I'm lucky, techno crane and all that stuff. And it's like, so I love having operators and I love being a little bit more managerial and stepping back and sort of um, being able to be in more, more than one place. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have really fantastic operators, they're frankly better than you. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and again, they can line up a shot and you can give notes and blah, blah, blah. I think there can be a little bit of an over obsession over like, this is mine. No, you know, everybody get away or whatever. Um, I'm much, much more free and open to that. You know, I do think though, that sometimes you can get kicked out of the pocket. If that makes sense. Like when you're in the little space where the camera placement is and where the actors are. Um, and that's something that becomes interesting with personalities and sort of being in there. And what do you mean? What do you mean mean kicked out of the pocket? I mean that. So if you're real, if you're in a tight space and this is again, more of like in a typical, like narrative sense, um, you're in a small space and the camera's taking up a lot of room and the lights and the actors and you want to free up the space so that people have like room to move. And there's only so many bodies and there's only so many, voices and opinions or whatever Mm -hmm. sometimes it's a good thing to do as a dp when you have an operator is to um get out of the way say dolly grip you know whatever it's like let them do what they need to do you explain to them or or you collaborate or you watch or honestly sometimes the coverage is pretty straightforward and everybody gets it okay we're on this side of the line we already did that side boom 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 boom. we come over here and you kind of explain your priorities or things that you're concerned about but you can also find yourself that that's what i mean by the pocket where it's like really you're 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 in the shit, you know yeah, what I mean? You're in the front lines. Yeah. You're right. The front as opposed lines. to about the, you know, whatever nowadays, like the DIT tent right. kicked outside of the set and far away. Directors don't like that either. That's why they like the little monitor. You know what I mean? You want to be, you want to be in there. Um, so I think that's my only issue sometimes of having an operator is that sort of where do you fit in, in that space of, you know, I've seen it go off the rails a little bit where you're like, Oh, nope, this is actually not what we're trying to do. Some assumptions were made or whatever. And then you have to kind of enter and be a little more assertive. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that's just about the right personalities and the right way that you communicate and that you, you, mm-hmm. you sort of, um, establish what we're doing when I'm, when I'm operating again, something like this found footage, whatever made all the sense in the world that I was in it. Um, sure. When the shoot's a bit smaller, again, we're in a lot of tight spaces. When the crew's smaller, when things are more intimate, the budget's lower. It makes so much sense for me to be in there and to be operating um, and to really be you're just keeping that group of people smaller. Mm-hmm. You know, And so to me, it kind of becomes about what are the priorities of the show and what kind of show is it? And is it bigger? Are there more cameras? Are there more supports? Do I need to step back and again lose my ego a little bit and be a bit more managerial um or is it really intimate and small and is it really important to the director and everybody else that there's just less people around yeah yeah, yeah, um and i'm super down for really either i think it's just about identifying what's appropriate up front and then making that decision early on um but i don't feel super strongly either way and i respect the fact that some dps do um but for me it's like every job's different 
Yeah. And I don't necessarily understand being like hard lined on one thing or another. I think you have to approach projects a hundred percent with open arms, you know, hundred percent. Cause if you're, if you're too hard lined on it, then you're really closing yourself off to what the production is going to present itself. Yeah. Because you know, we go in with plans for anything, even as directing, you go in yeah. with a plan, you do your fucking homework, but then you try to stay as open as possible because mother nature, just mother nature will come in and shift everything on you. And, and yeah, so, you have to be open to it. I think too, I, I used to, when I, when I graduated film school, I was, I thought the way you made movies was like Hitchcock and Kubrick. You just like me too. did yes. storyboards and then you executed. And I used to get mad at myself for if that wasn't how it went. I was like, you're a failure. But then I started to quickly realize that it's incredible, especially, well, especially nowadays, but it's like, it's an incredibly organic endeavor that it's really about how you deal with those compromises and those challenges and those moments that come at you so you you i'm very like i'm the type of person where i know what i want very quick decision maker or whatever mm -hmm. but the challenges i've gotten older and now it's not a challenge now it's just natural is becoming much much more malleable and open and mm -hmm. and realizing what the priorities are it's kind of like the um picking your battles type thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, okay, yeah, yeah. I know I'm a little hard lined on these things, but everything else I'm open to. And I think early on on a project being an open sponge. And I mean, I can read a script and I could tell you right away. I, I probably even can tell you what lenses I want to shoot it on. You know what I mean? Like I'm a psycho like that, but shutting up for a second and listening to a director and listening to a producer and absorbing that information and then going, okay, maybe that's what I thought, but this is what's right for it. Sure. Again, it kind of goes back to the ego thing. Sure. Um, it's not like I only shoot film or I only shoot with this format you like, or this aspect ratio or whatever. I, again, I don't really get that. That, that. that would actually be very, frankly, no judgment, but like for me personally, that would be very boring. Yeah. I, I dude, a hundred percent agree. Yeah. 100% agree. And I think with me, uh, especially with directing, you sort of hit this point where you realize that what you get known for are the things that you fucked up, are the mm. things that you fucked up, sure. are the accidental things, are these moments where you had to pivot and the the production told you what it needed. Mm -hmm. And you were like, okay, I got to do this. And then in that discovery or in that sort of adrenaline rush of like, shit, I've lost the, f the grip truck's gone. This fucking light's not working. Mm -hmm. How do I? And so you're in that adrenaline rush and you're like, oh, and then you find something and together with your team, then you end up getting this high out of it that yeah. is unrivaled. And you, yeah. and you sit there and go, this is fucking filth. Like, and, yeah. and it seems like everybody turns to each other and goes, this is what we do this for. Yes. yes. And then I, th I feel like the older I get, the more I understand like, hey, let's just set the situation mm -hmm. for that to happen. And yeah. let's have a fucking plan, know your shit, be oh, yeah. good at your shit, but also yeah. go like today we're hopefully lightning's going to strike today. That's what we all want today. And so let's try to build the atmosphere to let that happen instead of being so fucking rigid. Like I, I completely agree. And I think that that's, I love that you said about creating kind of that environment because I've done, done a lot of music videos and, and there's one director I work with who is guy, Tom Kerr, who's just so talented and he's a, a started as a photographer mm -hmm. and my dad's a photographer. And so I kind of identified early on that it was important that I create kind of like a playground for him in mm -hmm. a way, mm -hmm. in the way that I sort of built the set out in a sense, in terms of, you know, ensuring that the way it was lit and talking to the production designer and whatever, especially early on when I think he was, 
kind of being introduced to live action and whatever else. But I understood that it was like, okay, he's used to walking in in a space and then being able to kind of do what he needs to do. And his superpower is placing them and getting them to perform in a certain way. And I need to, this is only going to be better if I help him to do that. Um, And then that starts to become, how do you do that narrative? You know, um, with, with also, by the way, not, just lighting the space in frankly like a lame way mm-hmm. you know or it's just mm-hmm. sort of like because that can mean oh i just blanket light it and it's just sort of yeah just mundane light, light, and this, light, light this like a comedy and yeah and yeah yeah exactly and that yeah. that becomes a real challenge mm-hmm. um but but learning different ways to do that and then specifically also with the found footage thing to go back to that it is a lot of the time you're you're setting up a world that is 270 or 360 and what is that sort of mm-hmm. become because mm-hmm. sure you could just say oh turn on some practicals and it's fine because it's just found footage but i i always try to at least add something kind of otherworldly and interesting and i love color and sort of like you know um bringing in something that isn't too mundane because at the end of the day even though the audience knows that they're watching this thing mm-hmm. i do think they want to you know they want to look at something interesting and kind of sure, neat and and sure. they don't want to look at something boring no you know? dude and then you can always you can always wrap up too, like as yeah. the piece goes, then it gets right. even more intense. And I, there's no reason why. And, and at, at that point, you also don't want to be so rigid with the rules that come with found footage either. Sure. Right? Because you could fall into this sort of trap where, you know, if found footage done ter- terribly is boring. Oh, I, I can't stand it. It's <laughs> Which is why awful. I kind of was like, you know, it's but awful. then, but then the more, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, I'm super on board now in terms of I, I, I get. The challenge, and it's interesting to you talking to the other directors and how they're just like, "Oh shit, I didn't know," you know. And it's like, "Yeah, me neither," you know. Um, yeah, no, 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 totally. But that's with anything too. I think you know. F- again, film language can be incredibly boring too, where it's yeah. frustrating that you know. It's like we all say, like, "Oh, master shot, two shot," you know, mm-hmm. close up, close up, you know, whatever. Like that type of stuff again can be. It has its place. Not mm-hmm. saying every movie has to be experimental and different or whatever, but um, but I think at least challenge yourself to sort of i'm doing this for a long time i mean movies have been made for a long time it's like yeah you know we can audiences are 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 down you know like they keep proving to us they vote with their dollar and they're like i'm down for some weird shit you know um yeah and uh and that other stuff has its place too yeah you know again it's just about being appropriate i think to who you're who you're making the thing with, you know? Well yeah you want to go into it like a fucking painter, right? You 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 don't want to go into it like uh like a regulator, you know, yeah, like you right, want to walk right. into a, a project with your, with your, your boxes of brushes and tools and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And then just sort of go in there and go, what's the sunlight doing on this canvas today? Right. You know, and like, right. oh shit, let's grab the diopter. That'd be yeah. cool here. Or right. like whip out the smoke machine and let's run that in the background. That's cool. Like yeah. you, you just want to be in a place where you're, you're doing things organically Yeah, and, and you're not so rigidly restricted which is tough because then a lot of uh you know the streaming services and all that they have their rules they have like their tech standards and Mm -hmm. all of that which you still have to obey by that stuff to be able to get it widely released completely and and uh they were even talking about um uh some of the vhs guys were talking about how like part of the fun for them i think some of the ones who've done some bigger stuff is that they are they do have to deal with these mandates on the bigger projects and then being able to break those rules and like that uh that other movie i was talking about earlier that i did last summer the crazy horror one the director at one point was frustrated and was like you know the typical 
I don't, I don't blame him. I was the same way. It's like, oh my God, I wish we had more money. Like, oh, it's so rough. We're getting our butts kicked one day. And I turned to him and I was like, yes, but <laughs> we probably would have gotten a call on day one or two <laughs> and been with the dailies and been like, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> you know, like, like, I'm like, I'm like, so we are, that's the difference is that yeah, we yeah. can get away with stuff and we can really sort of, um, uh, 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 yeah, just go outside of the box a little bit, which mm -hmm. is, I think, when the money starts to increase or whatever, it maybe becomes a little bit more of a challenge. With that said, though, I think the thing I keep coming back to again is people and that we keep seeing examples of huge movies. Mm -hmm. They're rare, mm -hmm. but that people do do interesting stuff that's outside mm -hmm. of the box. And that is interesting. And, and, and that the money people allow that to happen. Again, extremely rare. You'd be so crazy lucky to even come anywhere near something like that. Any of us would be. But... I think sometimes we get a little negative about, oh, it's, you know, people only make, you know, sort of mundane crap these days. And it's like, well, every year there's an example. There's always a good you know? example. It's there's... just the majority is, yeah. you know. So I think I, I get sure. kind of reminded sometimes where I have to check myself and be like, this stuff does exist. There are people out there that are interested in that. And um, boy, just I hope to God I, you know, come across more of them. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. You know? Did you see the creator yet? I did. I went with uh, Oren um, Software, the co-DP, uh, mm -hmm. for last Friday, which was really cool. And again, a great example of, of... Yeah, I saw it last night. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. yeah I'm so excited for him. And, yeah. and also just that I hope... I'm glad you brought it up because I hope that people don't... I don't... I, I shouldn't speak for them, but it's like in my, in my personal opinion... It's like the narrative isn't they shot that movie on a Sony FX3. Mm -hmm. It's the narrative is they thought outside of the box. Mm -hmm. They convinced a, a group of studio people to spend a small amount of money for that type of movie, but also a lot of money. Yeah, it was like 80 million or something. Something like that. Like that. Yeah, 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 again, I'm not going to say anything definitively, but but I, I don't know. Um, that, that we don't necessarily need to do things always the same way. Yeah. And it's not just the specific technical things that they did, which I think are very inspiring. Sure. And people should take those and run with them. But the larger narrative being, um, let's uh, let's think outside of the box a little bit and challenge ourselves. And, and that's for everybody. That's the producers included. You run into it every single time where you speak to a line producer and or a UPM or whatever, and, and all you hear is, I did this on my last show. I did yeah. this on my last show. And you're like, yeah. I, I don't say this to them because I don't want to be rude. I mean, a lot of time, you know, look, some are tough and some are great. They're, they're collaborators and, and you work with them and I don't think any relationship has to be contentious or combative. You know, you can have a great collaboration with, with, with them. But, um, it's like, sometimes it's like your last show doesn't apply here. This is, sure. this is, we're, we're, we're starting over. Sure. The slate has been cleaned and we need to be, we need to approach this completely new. Sure. Every rule has been, you know, rewritten. Um, and but I think the creator... You're saying, that, you're saying that to a line producer, and a line producer needs predictability. Yeah, no, no, There's no, no, no totally. And that's okay. And that's yeah, okay. Yeah. That's, 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 that is the job. My, my job is to, is to push... Well, it was also, look, my job is to make our days and to, you know, do the thing. But it's also to push exactly. and their job is to push back. And that's, that's a, that's a good, healthy thing. It should happen. I'm all for it, but I have come across <laughs> the very rare ones that realize that it's just a conversation and we're, we're all trying to do the same thing, which is make the best movie possible mm -hmm. and to work together and call each other out when, Hey, I'm not gonna be able to make that day. Cause that's impossible. Or they say, Hey, I can't afford that. 
but it then becomes okay let's put our heads together and work it Figure out, it out. Yeah, yeah. you know yeah. um as opposed to no you know um yeah, yeah. that doesn't help anybody no you know? i agree with you man all right gang it's time to take a second. I want to talk about the sponsors, the people that make the show possible. I'm talking about the men and women that create the gear that I like to use. Let's be real. This is the gear I like. I'm being very selfish here. This is equipment that I like. And I'm not asking companies that I don't like to be sponsors of my show. It's not about the cash for me. It's about making sure that I have a solid relationship with the people that make the tools that I rely on. And to make sure if I'm going to be telling you guys to go look at the stuff, potentially buy things. I want to make sure that I've used it first and that, I, <laughs> that I've made really fun stuff with it, good stuff with it. You know what I mean? So supporting the show, as always, our friends over at Puget Systems. Uh, so many of you out there right now are still trying to run out to render your project out on an old computer and it takes fucking forever, right? You're restricted on the amount of uh, uh, video tracks that you can have, real-time playback, I don't know, you're being cheap and stingy and you're just bringing all sorts of frustration into your life as you sit there and mumble and grumble because it's not playing back real time. I hate that. It kills me when I'm in the edit and I can't play it back real time. It kills the pacing of the scene. It destroys my creative intention, my, my need to create, right? There's nothing more frustrating than a computer that doesn't keep up with you. And I hate the fact that that oftentimes happens after you spent a mint on a machine that came in a really bright, shiny box. And now after a software update, it's rendered useless. You know what I mean? I suggest you do what I did. Build yourself a PC. Now I know what you're thinking. Yeah, you're like, I don't know how to build computers. I don't want to build my own computer. I get it, man. I found this company called Puget Systems. They're an amazing family-owned company on the West Coast. Um, and they build computers. They don't manufacture hardware. That means they're not going to pedal off their shit on you. Let's just be real about it. These guys do all the benchmark tests. They do all the research. They have figured out what hardware works best with the software you want to use. And they make it very simple for you. If you go to PugetSystems.com, you can build a computer uh, by selecting the software that you want to build that computer for. And they'll give you a baseline package. But you'll also notice that it'll say, talk to one of our uh, people because they want to build you a custom machine how cool is that something custom that works specifically like going to get the shovel that is built to dig your hole you know what i mean it's awesome puget systems makes amazing computers fast machines my computer is smoking fast 6k uh real-time playback multiple uh timelines multiple video tracks I love my Puget Systems computer. I absolutely love it. I can't say enough great things about it. So if you're going to be doing uh, color correction, resolve work, Photoshop work, if you're doing, uh, if you're playing in the world of AI, if you're playing with uh, just video games and your video game computer isn't fast enough for the, the most recent Unreal Engine update that came out, talk to Puget Systems. Go to PugetSystems.com. It's a great resource, even if you're going to build your own stuff. It's all up there. PugetSystems.com. Can't say enough great stuff about them. I just can't. Uh, also supporting the show are friends over at Fujifilm. 
Fujifilm makes some of the best cameras on the market. Gene and I use them all the time. The GFX 100S we love. The uh, X-H2S, I love that camera. We have that as our second shooter, our video camera. I use that camera to shoot inserts uh, for my recent uh, film, Come Home. Um, and so I, dude, it's when you're a filmmaker or if you're a cinematographer and you, you don't want to own big gear, you don't want to own the big expensive $35,000, $45,000 piece of equipment that you're never going to make that money back on or that you're dependent upon getting jobs to put that camera on that job, right? To make that money back. Or you're dealing with like share grid or or maybe you're sub-renting that camera out and you're trying to make money on it, but everybody bought that same fucking camera. So there's an uh, over-flooded marketplace with it, right? So you're not getting the rentals and then you just become a slave to it. It becomes stressful. You know, most people can't afford $45,000. It's, it's a loan game, right? Why do that to yourself? Make a relationship with your local rental company and we'll talk about that in a minute. But if you need to have a shooter in your house, be real smart. Find an affordable camera that can shoot beautiful cinematic images with great color profiles. And Fujifilm is the place to go for that. And I'm telling you, get lens adapters for that Fujifilm. You can put all those cinema lenses on it. Or you can use Fujifilm's amazing lenses. Their lenses and the autofocus on that stuff. It's outstanding. So maybe you're not someone that's shooting movies. Maybe you're just someone that's doing a podcast. They have like the... Uh, X-H2S, I think is what it is. That camera has an amazing flip-out screen, so you can actually shoot yourself, put it on autofocus, it'll keep you in focus as you move around, and you can see yourself as you go through it, and you know, long run times for recording, which is huge. It shoots on ProRes, it's great, right? Fujifilm is the camera that I have sitting next to my desk for when I need to run out and shoot second, second unit B-roll, and Let's be real. I might actually be shooting a short film on it completely. So we'll see. Fujifilm. Can't say enough great stuff. The links are in the description of this episode. Click those links, please. Those links are tra tra trackable, traceable, trackable links um, that let Fujifilm know that you're listening, you know, because they don't always believe me. You got to let them know that you're listening. So click those links. And, you know, if you want to have some fun, click the refurbish link. Because you never know, that camera that you couldn't afford full price may be discounted in the refurbished uh, selection there. You never know. Every day there's a surprise up there. Um, also supporting the show are our friends over at Boca Rentals. And that's what I was just talking about. Why buy all that super expensive stuff that you're not going to make the money back on, right? Maybe why buy the same camera that all of your other filmmaker friends bought? Because now there's a ton of those cameras on ShareGrid and they're giving them away for nothing. You know what I mean? I like to make relationships with a local rental company because then I can use whatever new cameras on the fucking market. I can use whatever lens that I randomly see shot in a movie. I can, I just went and saw the creator. Amazing movie. Maybe I want to fuck around with that stuff. I can call up the dudes over at Boca Rentals. They have access to all that stuff and I can test it. I can use it. I can shoot it. They're there for me. Great company. They give a shit about young filmmakers, young cinematographers. They're trying to establish the relationships with these folks. Um, and so as we are coming out of the strikes and you're going to work and your clients are calling you up and saying, hey, will you shoot this stuff? Who are you renting from? If you're in Los Angeles or Las Vegas, I highly suggest you check out Boca Rentals. All right. 
Um, and finally, finally, if you are in the post-production world, even the camera world, but let's just focus on post-production now. Uh, you'll hear it if we haven't done so yet already before this ad read. Um, Alex and I start talking about Da Vinci's Resolve. Now, Blackmagic Design is now sponsoring the show, and uh, they are really pushing Resolve. Not only as a video editor, as your color grading, as your uh, as your color grader, right? Um, but also, uh, there are so many crazy new features in Resolve. 18.5. Let me just read some of the stuff. DaVinci Resolve 18.5 is a massive update with new AI tools. I wonder what those tools are all about. And over 150 new features, which include major additions to the cut page editing tool set, new Resolve FX enhanced fusion tools, including USD support and powerful new Fairlight audio mix automation. I'm excited to try that stuff out. The cut page features three new menus, including tools that to toggle, ripple, editing, uh, resync audio, ooh, resync audio, and more. You can quickly generate captions for timelines with audio speech to text. What? That's cool. Because uh, I've been having to do a bunch of that. Can You know what would be great? If we could do it in different languages. That would be great. Or search on keywords for faster editing. Resolve FX Relight lets colorists add virtual lighting to a scene and VFX collaboration is now faster with support for universal scene detect descriptor files. Okay, interesting. Plus you can group tracks in Fairlight for faster mix automation and editing. Some of this new AI stuff in editors is pretty cool, man. You know, whether you're using it to like cut people off the background or whether you're using it to quickly sync things, it really does save a lot of time for us creatives. Um, I will say this, man, I, I've been using Adobe Creative Suite for years, but uh, Resolve is, DaVinci's Resolve is definitely on the, the front lines of, of using all this new tech and it's pretty cool, man. So if you haven't checked it out yet, go to blackmagicdesign.com, check them out. Uh, excited to have them on again as a sponsor pretty cool finally as uh we right before we get back into this interview make sure you go to inlovewiththeprocess.com i've curated all of the episodes there by subject material uh that is the all that's also the place to go if you want to be part of the super fans group i have all my blogs up there uh it's almost halloween we're getting through october every week in october i put up a new article on my top three movies from a subgenre so if you're looking for movie recommendations, it's at inlovewiththeprocess.com in the super fan section. All right. That's it. Let's get back to the interview. So yeah, the creator was really great. I'm going to have, uh, Oren's going to come back on the show. He's been on the show. I talked to him last night, actually. Nice. And, um, the uh, thing I love about it, sh who gives a fuck about what camera they shot it on? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the thing I really liked about it was the focus that they had on really trying to capture a great movie before they even got to visual effects. Yes. And when you look at the the stunning visual effects that are done in that movie. So good, yeah. Stunning. Yeah. Uh, they completely did it the, 
the ass backwards way, mm-hmm. you know, that that most major movies would do it these days. And I'd argue it's the it's actually it's the, the right, right it's, way. It's the right way. <laughs> yeah. And because of that, they had like these and if you guys haven't seen it yet, go see it. I think it's a fucking sin that like Paw Patrol 2 beat yeah, that movie. Please up. support that movie. Please. We go need to vote. See it. I think by the way, side note on on that, um I'm frustrated because we all need to vote with our dollar yep. and people complain, Oh, they don't make these types of movies and blah, blah, blah. And then they don't go see them. Right. So pay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's simple. It's, it's very simplistic. You go see it. I went and saw it, uh, because we're in California, there's great cinemas here. I went and I saw it at the Dolby over in, um, yeah, Dolby's the way to go. Oh my God, dude. Yeah. Dolby's the way to go. Like just the sound off of the, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's like this floating craft and there's this really cool, like light grid thing that happens with it. And the sound that comes off that thing, it's at a certain point, we were in the Dolby cinema over in, in uh, Burbank and at a certain point, the fucking sound just triggered air Yeah, and it just blows yeah. your hair back. It's really, really cool. Now the filmmaking is wonderful. I love that. It's like a, and again, we won't talk spoilers, but um, you know, uh, uh, I love that it's a war film. Yep. I love that it, that it, doesn't so much of these big movies now whole areas get wiped out and they move on like it's nothing and this movie like deals with the repercussions of violence and and war um and is also you know a fun i'm gonna say romp but you know what i mean like like it knows how to have fun too yeah um but 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 it does sort of force you as an audience to sit with some of that violence in a way that i thought was fantastic filmmaking and, and and a really great way that i think audiences should sit with and not just you know 30 headshots a minute you know what i mean yeah 100 i think i feel like this is gareth's like opus really yeah yeah, yeah, and i don't think there was another filmmaker that could have done it the way he did Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and when you watch this film you feel the dna of all these other great films that obviously he loved that we love yeah films from our youth yeah you watch this stuff and you go man this is what james cameron should be right now that's exactly i was gonna say some people were making star wars connections and i i was right after the screening i went up to Orin and i was like no that was cameron man that was that reminded me a lot especially when of, they when the, f- the team first goes in and the, yeah. they put that team yeah. together yeah it's fucking but, not James a, but not a not a which was nice too was i think nowadays we get a lot of nostalgia porn and mm-hmm. we got a lot of it, it was also gareth's you, you could feel you were like oh this 100%. is someone else he's influenced i can feel the influence but i also don't feel like oh you're just ripping this guy off which we see you know a lot 100 percent, and yeah. I, I, like I made a movie that was very much influenced as well. And our, when I talked to, cause Cruda, David Cruda shot it. Yeah. Love Cruda. And when I talked to him, we talked about, let's study the language. Let's start, let's study the language of the films from this time period and then write a new text with that language. Mm. That's it. It wasn't like, Hey, there's that shot from Jaws. Let's replicate that shot from Jaws. There's this, it was like, I need the audience to feel this way right now. Let's go to our dictionary of language mm. and go, all right, is this a stretch bowl? Maybe it's a stretch bowl. Maybe it's not a stretch bowl. Maybe this is a sound cue. Maybe this is this. And oh, Spielberg does this really interesting thing. When he de- delivers exposition, he always moves the camera uh, from uh, left to right, mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. tracking with actors. Right. Oh, that might be a cool thing. And then that changes into something else as you start there. So yeah. when people watch our film, it's kind of the same thing where they go, this feels like the thing. This feels like another movie, but it's not. It's completely original. Go, yeah. yeah, it's because we studied the fucking language. We didn't rip it off. We didn't take the text yeah, from right. someone else's story. We just know the language. Well, I think you. I think it goes back to what we were talking about before about like how strict you are versus how organic you are. Mm-hmm. I think the research, and Dave said that to me at one point, he's like, I've never worked with the DP who, who 
kind of like, I forget the way he put it, but like you dug so deep sort of type thing. I think it's really important in the early stages to dig deep, have conversation after conversation, watch stuff, read stuff, look at stuff, but Mm -hmm. then let go of it and get rid of it. And so it starts to become a part of your DNA, your instinct, your memory, and then your memory shifts into a different interpretation because then your own instinct takes over the logistics of reality as opposed to having references on set and boards and images up and being so literal in a sense of like, well, yeah. well, this is what they are, or they use this lens and we have to, use, you know what I mean? That's when I think you do start to tiptoe into those areas. Yeah. Um, again, Tarantino is a great example to me of somebody who clear, you know, people get into the stuff of, oh, he's ripping this off or whatever, but it's like, really, if you start to look at these things side by side, that's necessarily not the case. Mm-hmm. It's just that he's such a student of that stuff. And then he brings, frankly, like a higher production value and a higher technical, you know, he's better technicians that he's working with and so we almost see like better versions of those things Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um but i do think it's important to to be a sponge of that stuff and then to let go of it yeah um, in a way you know yeah yeah the stuff that really excites me um about uh gareth's stuff and like we're working on a piece right now we're writing a piece right now that i think is going to be pretty crazy and and i'm sort of going back to my original roots, because when I started as a cinematographer, it was mostly docs, and that's where mm. I sort of ran with it. And it was a lot of handheld, and a lot of getting in close and personal with people and and being in that inner circle, being in that right. front lines thing, it's to the point where like, you know, you're shooting with someone that's trusting you that isn't an actor, and they break down and they start to cry. Mm-hmm. And then you, they, they, we call cut, and then you, you go in and you hug them. Like yeah. it's like you're in that personal bubble. Yeah. And I really fucking like that. We won't talk too much about the creator, but I really like that about Gareth's stuff is yeah. that you feel like when you're watching his movies, he has the ability to do such epic fucking scale. I mean, this guy directed fucking Godzilla. For yeah, Christ's sake. No, so totally. like, yeah there, great there, sense of scale. There are moments where like tree lines are moving and you're like, what's coming out of the trees? Mm-hmm. But then he also has that ability. And if you watch the behind the scenes footage, he's also operating a lot yeah, of it. Correct. Yeah. Where he has that ability to get right in there close mm-hmm. and he's got a small little rig that he's that he's basically cradling this sure. little, little camera. Sure. Yeah. And sharing this moment and to the point where you're breathing in the breath from the tears and everything that's coming yeah. off the actor. And right. Right. Especially this little kid, too. And again, I think that starts to get into now, again, forget the tool, because now it's interesting as to like why you're using that. Yes. It's like not only is the filmmaker allowed to, you know, sort of make these compositional decisions, but are they I am, which, by the way, I don't know if he did, but is he saying things to them? Sure. Is he is there a trust there? Which, by the way, I I know operators who have amazing relationships with their actors, too. Um, So it's not to say that you know, one has to be over the the other. What's wonderful about filmmaking is that I always say this directors too. I'm like, well, what are your priorities? You know, what are the things that matter to you? Is it, mm. is it time? Is it days? Is it rehearsals? Is it, is it operating the camera? You know what I mean? Like what are the things that, that matter to you? And then, and then we will adjust accordingly mm. to that. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, and then again, the small sort of rig thing is that, is that less one could have a conversation. Is that less intrusive, especially to a child? Um, and then, and then also, uh, uh, you know, but then I've worked with some actors who, who I don't say don't give a shit, but they're just sort of like, yeah, what, like whatever you need to do. Sure. And as I'm more, more affected by it. Um, so there's kind of no answer. It's just, it depends on the circumstances. And, and again, I think it should be, this should be inspiring to everybody to just have these conversations and consider mm-hmm. what these things are and why do we 
choose the things that we do and 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 again less about the tools but 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 how we go about making the how thing. we use them like why yeah. we call upon the tools like what right. it is that we're setting out to do and then you go okay what do i need for this i need a small camera i need something that's compact yeah, yeah. makes sense like yeah we live in a world now too where we can we can make these decisions a little bit more easily which mm -hmm. is pretty neat yeah dude you know hell yeah because they're i'm just double checking things there yeah. are so many different options out there right now for anything yeah. Um, and I, I think it's important that you don't become, <laughs> you don't become a brand whore, you know, because, yes. you know, yeah. that's a big thing. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, I have, I, I, you know, I know some folks who, and again, a lot of times when they own stuff or whatever, of but they, they, they sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which I can understand psychologically, but, but it's sort of, it's part of the reason why I don't own anything is because it's like, mm -hmm. I'm not interested in, in, um, it owning me, if you will, mm -hmm. not to be too traumatic, but mm -hmm. it's like, you know, it, it does kind of become that. And I think that, um, it's, that's not the point of the job. No. You know what I mean? Um, I do appreciate, you know, Hey, you got to make money, whatever else like that. Great. You do you, um, being financially sure. responsible in this industry is incredibly important and not talked about enough. But, um, for me as a cinematographer, again, it goes back to like, I'd be bored too, you yeah. know, like yeah, I'm, yeah. I've been during this, during this, um, time period, I've actually been testing the hell out a lot of the new cameras and like going really deep with DITs and colorists and building LUTs and learning DaVinci more and like taking this time to just become a better student of these things and not because it's like finding the perfect camera, the camera I yeah. want to own or something. It's more so these things are changing all time. And when the next job that comes and the next move, really for me, really the next movie, um, what's the best tool for it yeah. and why, Yeah, you know? Um, well, rather then, than just reading specs online, you know what I mean? Exactly. And then you get your hands in it. Like Resolve, yeah. we, I've been doing a lot of Resolve stuff. It's crazy, man. Mm -hmm. Like that new- Yeah, it's uh, amazing. The DaVinci Resolve stuff is nuts. Like the the tracking yeah. is insane for it. Yeah. And how that changes everything. Because no, now totally. it's not just power windows, but now you're doing like cosmetic work. Yeah. Now you're doing everything with it. No, totally. I think I think the, the, the possibilities continue to increase in really exciting ways. And- um, Again, I want. I, I'm. I'm looking forward to working with people who want to take advantage of that stuff, and mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. exciting to me. Mm -hmm. I love it, man. We just did our short, which is now in the festival circuit, and uh, I was deep in resolve. And I, th I, I thought I was just going to go in there and do the color grading, and then I'm like, oh no, I'm now I'm compositing in here. Mm -hmm. now I'm doing mm -hmm. everything in here. No, it's 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 shifting into a true NLE in a way. That movie last summer. Um, director's an editor and is one of those guys, real tech guys done it all um because of uh, black magic cloud he did it all in there and yeah. it was really cool because the colorist was able to do work you know uh, uh remotely while he was still editing because yeah. it was all cloud-based and it was all connected in a way and then you know i work on other projects that do things kind of more in a traditional sense and i can see certain filmmakers are frustrated and i'm like there's there's answers to what you're looking for technologically yeah people are doing this stuff. It's just maybe not, maybe the post house you're working with hasn't, hasn't gone and done X, Y, and Z or whatever, mm -hmm. but the possibilities are there, which I think goes back to, are you researching that stuff? Are you looking for it? Not just from a tech obsessed perspective, but does it allow you to change how you do things in a way that becomes better for you and more organic or whatever? I think it's, that's what all these tools are allowing mm -hmm. for. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's neat. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It really, it really, changes the game and and 
as a as a creator myself, I find it it's always challenging me not to be lazy. Mm-hmm. There's a there's mm-hmm. a sense of me going like, no, I know how to do this. I can do this pretty simply. And then and then you start to fall. I always get mad at myself because I'm usually doing posts at the same time. So like I I've been an editor for years. And so as you go through it, you're like, this is a simple thing. I'll be able to do this pretty quick. And then mm-hmm. you fall down a fucking rabbit hole and you're like, all right, am I doing this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sure. I'm uh, sure. Am I doing yeah. All right, we're doing this. And then then it's this whole other crazy world of like new techniques and new compositing techniques and like like grain management and like uh, all this different stuff that is it's beautiful when you do it and you right. wrap your head around it. But you can also get lost in that stuff too. I think there hits a point where as a storyteller, you have to, you know, manage your time and sort of sit there yeah. and go like, how many fucking YouTube tutorials do I have to watch today <laughs> before I can get this thing done? Yeah. And is it necessary? Like, can I no, just that's, do that's, this one shot? And that sounds intense. Yeah. yeah I'm, yeah. I'm lucky that I don't have to deal with that too much. because yeah, <laughs> the, the, the software is always changing. The stuff's right. all constantly changing. Um, and it seems like every time you set out to cut something, there's some sort of update that happens and you're like, well, my timeline doesn't load today. That's great. Right, you know, right. so that's frustrating. It is. It's like the post world those editors that are listening to the show, you're all shaking your heads going, yes, the post world could be incredibly frustrating. Yeah, no, I, I edited a little bit outside of school, not, not, not never like paid job professionally. I just, you know, my friends and I, we made movies in middle school and high school. And so we all taught ourselves iMovie and then eventually Final Cut and um, you know, I cut my own reels and little things here and there and I still you know when I'm doing like tests and all that stuff I'm still bringing stuff in but I always found I was like this is way too tedious I would go I'd be one of those guys in the security cam footage who just would like bust <laughs> up the computer <laughs> like, yeah. I'm a very very patient calm person I always get told that but for some reason technology triggers me in that what way happened? I don't know it fell off the table yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so your dad was a photographer huh yeah, yeah, he still is. Yeah, he's he's going to Cuba tomorrow. Oh, um, wow. What kind of photography does he do? Uh, like travel world, sort of. He started, um, started more like studio. Um, it's actually, it was cool. I, I used to go in there when I was a kid and like learn some lighting and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, just yeah. by watching the guys and getting them coffee and stuff like that. Um, but it was a studio in New York that was, um, you know, it'd be like a billboard you know like a, a perfume ad or, mm-hmm, or a mm-hmm. uh, uh so it was a, it felt like 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 tabletop really like specific but it was cool watching them deal with all the reflections that's and some technical little stuff. Cut out. Yeah, yeah super super technical and all medium format and all that um and and early digital stuff too they were bringing in you know stuff that um it was just interesting to watch and at the time i i, I didn't really realize what was happening because i was young but um and then he sold all that and was like i want to travel more and just uh basically runs a like um uh you know travel tour photo uh, uh workshop type company that goes to, like very exotic places all over the world hmm. so he's all over the place um which is pretty neat i've gone to cuba with him and all that and um uh, yeah, so it's it's neat. I'm I'm really really lucky. I get to I've literally had debates with my dad about like what our favorite focal length is, <laughs> which is an insane thing to say that you have that with your father. Oh, Thanksgiving dinner. Must yeah, be right. Great. Yeah, no, no. We, we actually we don't. I say debate. Like that's the thing. We don't argue, but like because we're, we're actually very aligned <laughs> on things. But I just mean that like we can talk about that stuff. Yeah, that's which great. is really crazy. Um, and uh, yeah, it's neat and and. Uh, I'm very grateful that mm. I had that kind of support. Um, I've had the support all along. 
and that also um, I can have that relationship with him is really interesting. Yeah, um, and I think incredibly rare. You know? Well, yeah, and all the all the stuff that you've just been picking up from being around yeah. him and being around that his sets and his shoots. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, it's really cool. It's, it's, invalu- really cool. it's invaluable. Yeah, I think it, it had to have influenced me in ways that I'm not even aware of. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. But but it, but it certainly did, and um, and again, it's you know, and I love photography. I, I I do it very sort of like hobby, random. Just occasionally pick up a camera and go go shoot. Um, but it's always it's it's fun too watching how he's changed over the years and how his work has shifted, and mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, our different tastes and everything, and yeah, it's cool. That's cool, man. Yeah. So as a shooter, I ask this of a lot of uh, cinematographers that are on the show. As a shooter. Um, What's your favorite part of setting up a shot? Is it mm. just watching the blocking? Do you go in there and you watch the blocking first and then sort of figure it out? Is it like getting the camera or looking through a viewfinder at first? Or is it, you know, turning on and off lights? Like what section mm. of it really oh, interesting. gets you going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what gets me going, because it's funny you said that and it's like, my brain immediately started to go to like, what do I start with? And what I usually start with is the space. I'm mm-hmm. very, very influenced by location. I honestly kind of prefer on location more than sets or whatever. Yeah. Um, I love the consistency of the light. I'll tell you that. Like sure, that shit sets can, can really, <laughs> can really um, stress you out. Like, oh, that sun's going away. Like that yeah. sucks. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But sets can also be very like uh, daunting to a certain extent because- Daunting, but also just uh, not uninspiring sometimes, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, there is that element of what's influencing you in a, in a real, again, we hit this reality and this, as you said before, mother nature rolls up mm-hmm. and you, and how do you react or whatever? Uh, so that's very real. And I think that there's just something, um, yeah, it's just, this it can't be beat. Um, I, I think in that regard. So I start with a, with a space and usually the space that I can't control. So what I mean is like usually the, the background, meaning it's, um, I can't deal with those walls. Like they're not going anywhere uh, or that tree line or what you can force you can point in a different direction or whatever. But what's the element that is something that is fixed and something that cannot be shifted mm-hmm. because I can adjust the foreground mid ground to a degree right? I can cheat all this stuff. I can move all this shit. And that's one of the parts that makes your head spin is how do you deal with all these variables, right? Mm-hmm. Or even the personalities in the room, the, the blocking. And mm-hmm. just talking about this with an operator the other day, you know, some people want to be told what to do and some people don't want to be the actors, meaning like hit your marks versus like, Let fuck you, I'm going to do whatever yeah, I want, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And how do you deal with that? Um, <laughs> and, uh, but what excites me the most is definitely lighting, which is probably goes back to the operating part. The reason why I'm a little less precious about it is because of course I care very deeply about camera placement and focal length and and the exact positioning of said framing. But it is an area that, you know, there's an operator, there's an actor, they physically move, the director has, you know, whatever the space, it starts to influence. There becomes a lot of cooks in that kitchen. Mm-hmm. Whereas lighting still feels like an area that's truly mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to bring that in from an ego stance, but I think it's just a journey that is really exciting. I also think because our our iPhones and 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 the photography or whatever, it just feels like composition is a thing that is quite common. But when you have a full lighting crew, even yeah. a rig, but I finally experienced like having like a full on rigging crew and all that stuff. It's so exciting because you're jamming with a bunch of really brilliant people, your gaffer, your key grip, all that stuff. Um, being influenced by the space, let's say it's a set and, and the production design and what they're bringing in and practicals and, you know, 
again, working with the fixtures department was really exciting. Um, studying the light in the space, uh, running into some of the logistics of, of, oh shit, well, we can only rig from here. Oh, well, that's in the way. This is what we can afford, whatever, and challenging yourself. And then for me, lighting is always a surprise. Yeah. In the best way possible. Me too. Um, And I don't mean that in the sense that it's like, I'm doing it long enough that I know, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this, we're going to get this result. But there's always a part that surprises you. And that I personally find more exciting and that mm. on and off and that, oh, they're setting it up and it isn't really positioned yet, but it's hitting mm. this thing and bouncing off that. And you say, wait, 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 no, actually don't move it. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, I said over here and to go over there, but actually, wait, shit, this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Ooh, mm-hmm. that's something new. It's, it's now hitting off this, this skip, you know, skip bounce, blah, 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 all that type of stuff. Um, or it's going through this curtain and creating a color and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I always see I light. Love. I see light like the elevator in The Shining with the fucking blood coming out of it. You know what I mean? Like you turn on this light and it's just <laughs> this, it's this fluid that goes I everywhere, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and you're just like, what's it going to do? And, yeah, you, and you right. have this theory, right? You're like, yeah. if I get this unit, I get a hard bean unit, I know it's going to fucking do. And I, like, if I'm going to send that into like a, a bounce source, I have a general idea what that's going to do, but then it does something completely fucking different. And you're like, what (laughs) yeah no it's it's extremely exciting and obviously the tools now have exploded and and um and that's really interesting and exciting and sort of playing around with that and what we can do Mm and mainly for me everybody talks about like the the color range stuff with with the leds but i i personally for me it's all about the light's position Mm -hmm. and um yeah i've seen that be a mistake and i've seen it be splendid you know where Mm -hmm. you sort of it's 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 all about you know like the tubes are a lot of stuff that people use but it's like the fact that you can battery powered fit this thing in this tiny little space of these exactly. little like you know brick light things or whatever um or or just really like you know blanket leds or whatever it's like for me being able to put those sources in places that you couldn't normally put them is um I think change cinematography in a lot of ways 100%. um sometimes for not to be negative but I do think I, I kind of like a little more old school lighting generally. Like mm-hmm. I like like hard, big units, you know, like kind of, um, and not even necessarily in an expensive sense of like 18 gays through every window. I mean, like I still use the shit out of Leco, Source 4 Leco's, you know, like the theater lights. Yeah, um, I love those. We use those all the time. I could actually, if I, so if I was, side note, by the way, I thought about this the other day. If I was a teacher at a film school, I would force the students to be like, okay, you get a few Leco's, you can bounce them for soft light and you can use them for direct. And those are the only lights you can use. You have to learn how to deal with bounce light, soft light, indirect light, hard light slashes, all that stuff. Here's a few and some dimmers and like donuts and some CTV and like figure it out, (laughs) you know, like, and teach them sort of, sort of how, uh, you know, the painting with light term gets thrown around a lot, but it is sort of this, like, I do I do see them more as that where you're sort of adding these textures and these specific things. So I still personally kind of, those are still kind of my main tools, sort of tungsten and mm-hmm. that type of stuff. Um, you know, I think, again, people are very literal. With, oh, it's daylight. We have to use an HMI. It's like, no, actually, go. tungsten looks great during the day. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, um, yeah, yeah. it know. mixes with all the color temperature and all that stuff. But the LEDs do, they are incredible it's i'll never forget my wife the first day she was on set with a sky panel and right before <laughs> i was like just you wait because you know we did film schools she actually she shot a feature when she was like 23 or something like that on a canon 7d so she like you she's 
she knows what she's doing. And um, she got back from it and she said the line from the aviator at the end of the aviator, you know, with Leonardo DiCaprio. And he's like, the way of the future, the way of the future. <laughs> like she was like, holy shit, this is yeah, game crazy. changer. It's and I was crazy. like, yeah, it is. So for me, it's like being able to put those lights in positions that I just normally couldn't. Yeah. Um, is really exciting. Uh, and so jamming with that crew and designing the world and the tone and the space and the environment and the, the again, I love color. Um, I think that's the part I, I, I still get the most excitement out of because you just don't do it in your everyday life. I can no. take photographs in, in my everyday life. I can shoot off my iPhone and do that. But to have a full crew, crew with a full thing a of lights. And a yeah, full truck full of, dude. That's, that's like a, you, you step into a different it's environment. Like, it's like know? going from cooking in your, in, your, in your kitchen with a microwave and a fucking yeah. electric stove right. to showing up to an industrial kitchen yes. with a yeah. team full of people behind yeah. you. Yeah, it, that's a great analogy. And I think that, that that gets me the most excited about to me, I think that influences that, and I'm, I'm obsessed with lenses, but um, those those are the areas, and and I'm going to keep adding to stuff, but it's like I'm obsessed with LUTs, too, and sort of designing that look, yeah. that look yeah. dev beforehand, and to me, those are the areas, like, I've got my LUT, I've got my lenses, and I light in a particular way, and uh, that those are those pillars for me that really influence the overall look and it's funny see i could do this all day i'm like i want to go also locations um <laughs> i can just keep adding shit so yeah well, well dude i so uh, on occasion so gina will ask me to go light for her oh cool so like i'll go light for her either her photo shoots or her video stuff yeah and she does a lot of like fashion stuff and a lot of cosmetic stuff and so i've had a lot of fun you know talk about checking your ego i've had a lot of fun sort of like stepping way back and going mm. like I'm just going to focus completely on making your stuff look great. That's great. You yeah. know, and so um, one of the things that I enjoyed doing or I enjoyed doing uh, a few years ago when we started was that I would take all my lights and I'd put them on wheel stands in studios. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And while she's shooting, I would just run through and just start tweaking and just mm. go through the process of just sitting with it and going, and yeah. you understand the power of a centimeter yes. when you're talking yeah. about the beam of light and, and you understand like turning away light units and letting it play on just the very edge yep. of yep, like yep, a diffusion. Yep. Yeah, wasting away as we call it. Wasting yeah. it yeah. away. Yeah. And there's the, when you're doing it, it's almost, I almost felt like a, like a fucking wildlife hunter to a certain <laughs> extent where you're, you're just dialing it in. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. There it is. There's yeah. the gorgeousness. Yeah. Like, but, which is interesting though. And I think something, what's difficult with lighting in live action, especially nowadays where I think things have gotten, unfortunately, a lot of the time we're pressed for time. Super pressed for time. Yeah. There's a little bit, uh, frankly, there's a lack of respect a little bit in terms of marks and and even just from a focus puller standpoint but just sort of the specificity that filmmaking can sometimes bring um and how that can start to dilute the lighting but then at the same time you know you also it's not appropriate to sort of go in there and scream and yell gordon will style and be like yeah. i didn't need to be here <laughs> you know like like that you that's also not you know when again it becomes about what environment are you in sure who are you with who what are those priorities yeah um but it is a challenge of oh when they lean in exactly here but then maybe you haven't seen a rehearsal. They don't want to rehearse. They do one take. They do two takes. Yeah. Um, they do a different thing each time. You know, how yeah. do you get that specificity? It's a constantly moving target. Really difficult. Again, I'm going to go back to people because it's who you're working with. I, Dude, I've worked with gaffers and key grips who, 
I can tell sort of had the like, oh, well, it's good enough there. We were talking about that that slight tweaking mm-hmm. and sort of look at you a little sideways where you want to play with that centimeter and you want to play with this or that, which is really frustrating to me because that's within the allotted time that we have. You have mm-hmm. to respect the fact that, you know, you say to the AD 20 minutes, sure. you know, you, <laughs> sure. you have to you have to. That's part of the job is is hitting those things. And, and again, picking your battles and maybe at some points going, hey, I'm screwed here. I need I need please give me another 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Like whatever, whatever you got to do. But you have to respect the process. But until that point comes without, you know, abusing people, of course, you should be tweaking really and dancing with what that thing is and trying to find the best version of it. For me, it's all about setting up everybody for success and then finding that last five, 10% where things really get special. I find that in color and I find that in lighting specifically again composition as well but again there's a lot of cooks in that and there's a lot of elements that are playing a role but for me those little tiny final touches that start to happen is where things get special it's gorgeous and then for when i do it so the last short i did i shot it and then i i directed shot it and then i cut it so oh cool when you go through the process of all those things i find myself in the edit room uh, forgetting what I was doing on set and I'm just mm. watching it. I'm scrolling through that footage and I could see when it's being tweaked and I look at it and I go, whoa, and you just watch like just That's cool. the movement of the light and you just see how it's like hitting the haze in the back and it's just giving that gradient that that now is giving the separation from the hair and from the background and you right. just see that happen and the performance Sometimes it's on point and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's like a sin when you go, ah, fuck. Yeah. It looks so good, but the performance is not great. Okay, sure. let's go with the performance. We're going to go oh, with the yeah, performance. Oh, yeah, always, always, but yeah. Sometimes you find those things accidentally and you look at it and you go, man, that's it. That's the fucking magic. And yeah, I find myself in a similar situation on set where I feel like it's two different things. It's like the glass and how the glass is processing the light. Mm-hmm. And it's the light. And yeah. You know, whenever I'm working with a gaffer or if I'm working with someone on set, I'm usually with the glass. I'm like, move it. I'll move, 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 move. And we're always just trying to find like that little bit of magic Mm -hmm. in that Mm -hmm. movement. And when you do, it's just, I I said this on another episode. I feel like when I look through uh, the viewfinder or if I'm looking in a monitor, most of the time when you're looking through a viewfinder, I feel like I'm the first person that gets to see this weird world, Mm -hmm. this strange dimension. And when you have that moment, you're like, okay, what is this going to look like for me? Yeah. Well, for everybody else. When we were doing commercials, we would uh, joke around. I would always have disruptions in the uh, monitor lines specifically. Mm. Be like, I don't know, monitor's broken. Just so, that, <laughs> just so that you can have that moment just with your lighting team. Yeah. And sit there and go like, wow. Look oh, yeah. No, we'll, we'll sometimes do the thing where in between setups, you know, we turn it off and it's just like. You know, and then there's a bit of a, you know, oh, can we see it, blah, 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 whatever, you know. And again, it just depends on the situation. Um, yeah, but yeah, kind of having a little bit of uh, privacy, if you will, yeah. in terms of doing that. Because, of course, you get the, you know, I it happens, I'll, you know, it's so funny to me whenever it happens. But we'll maybe be, you know, I don't know, I'll turn around a room and it may be as long as like, oh, we need 45 minutes to do this, right? And everybody understands and they get it and it's not going to ruin the day. And 10 minutes in, I'll have the director walk up and do the like, so it's um, it's not going to be this dark, right? I'm like, we're 10 minutes in to a 45 <laughs> minute, like half the lights aren't up. Like, don't look come at back. It. I will come and get you. Don't <laughs> yeah. worry. Like, don't I got it. you. You know, and okay, 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 okay. You know, and it's like, it's this funny. And again, it gets into 
look, we're in a different world now with monitors on on set, and it's a different it's a different way of working. It's a, it's a different, it, it, you know, it's, a, it's crazy, man. Yeah, it's, I I don't know that I love it, but no. but it is. You know what? You know what? It is true. You know what is true though. I actually do love it at the at the end of that process. Yes. I do actually I've shot plenty stuff on film, and film's wonderful. Um, and I'm not again dogmatic about like either. It's about again priorities and and pro- I think process. What 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 is that process that you enjoy? Um, and again, for, from for certain filmmakers, they feel great about that and they really want to do it. But I actually like that sitting there and that little bit of tweaking that we can do, and we're all working collectively mm-hmm. together to get to that point. It has its annoying elements, like we're talking about in those other areas. But I I'm all about controlling this image and the authorship that I can bring to it with all of these different layers. Mm-hmm. And I find that that allows me to be more exacting and specific in a way that I personally prefer yeah. and involving everybody in that way without the fact that, yeah, it can be annoying sometimes. Yeah. I did a commercial years ago for uh, what was it for Sam Adams? I think and it was, a, there was a lot of like tabletop. There's a lot of specific shit. And I, you, you've done commercials, right? I'm sure. Oh, a ton. Yeah, 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 yeah. So ton. you know. So you have Video Village, which is essentially a space for a lot of, you know, people that are on salary to chime in to make sure that they're continuing to stay on mm-hmm. salary. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so <Yeah. laughs> when I was a younger director, I used to hide with my crew. And that was the thing. I would oh, go and I'd be yeah. with the crew all the time. And I would yeah. try to stay out of that fucking booth. And Sure. You know, and and I'd be in there, and oftentimes I would be in the fucking way, especially if I'm working with another cinematographer, mm. and I'd be like, eh, I'm kind of in the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so we were doing the shoot, and people kept like coming over, like clients kept coming over, going, "Is the color going to look like this? And is mm-hmm, this going to look like mm-hmm. that? And is this going to look like this?" And I just looked over at the cinematographer, and I could just see it in his on his face where he's just like, "Fuck these people!" Like he just yeah, has this yeah, whole thing, yeah. and I'm like, "Okay, okay, okay." So I, I realized what my job was is that I had to go back to the booth. That was my job. Mm. And so I went back to the booth and I sat with the folks and I said to them like, hey, here's what's exciting about what you're seeing. You're seeing something that no one else gets to see. We're going to watch all of these people, all these skills, all this stuff come together. Smart. And I narrated it for them. And I just went <laughs> through the process of saying like, okay, here's what's happening. Yeah. So right now they just got the lights on the stands. They're going to put the stands in the place and they're going to just turn them on. Watch right. what happens when they turn it on. That's yeah. what it looks like. Now that team's bringing the diffusions in. Check out mm. what that does. And then I'm like, watch how the props people are now adjusting it based upon the lighting because they yeah. have a monitor there. Right. And so we sat for the 20 minutes, 25 minutes that right. it took to build that shot and we watched it come together. That's cool. Yeah, and at smart. the end of it, I was like, any notes? Yeah. And everybody was like, no, it's fucking great. And right. then we're good to go. Right. That's clever. That's some good uh, uh, psychology warfare, yep. psychological yep. warfare. <laughs> yep. Keeps them out of the hair of the crew. Keeps me out of the hair of the crew. Right. You know, I'm not doing the fucking pace game. I'm actually yeah. doing something else. And no, I think, yeah, you, I feel for, again, my, my wife, you know, Natasha is a, a wonderful director. And I know she talks sometimes about yeah, some of that frustration of you're saying the pace game, you know, yeah. you're sort of, you gotta, yeah. you know, which is one thing I love about being a cinematographer is I love how, um, man, I'm never bored on set. <laughs> yeah. I am, I am, because even if I have a moment of downtime, I'm stressing. I mean, I know this is the same for directors too in ADs, but yeah. I'm stressing about the rest of the day I'm and never, what's coming I'm, not, up. I'm never bored. I'm always just like, fuck. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, like, f- what true. Are we, what are we true, losing? True, true. We yeah, losing? true, right. No, you know? no, no, that's a good way to put it because you're yeah. never... I guess, yeah, I guess I mean, um, I'm actively always doing something, which is really nice. Cause right. If yeah. you are, if you are not actively 
dealing with a specific challenge, which I'm sure direct, most directors you're dealing with, you know, people are coming up and asking about questions for tomorrow and for mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? There's always something. Um, but I think when you sit in that moment, and directors have to deal with that a lot in terms of, well, we're flipping the room, we're doing this, we're doing that, we need 20 minutes, we need 10 minutes, we need 40 minutes, you know? Um, yeah, you you're, you do start to go to that place, mm-hmm. um, which but is I, not great. <laughs> but, well, I mean, but what I've tried to learn, and I was just talking uh, about this with uh, some cast members of my movies that I caught up with years later, and they were telling me stories that I didn't even know happened. Oh, set. yeah, always, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love yeah. that. And so now I find myself, if I have that time, and I need to distract myself. Mm-hmm. And I've already done all my work and there's nothing else that I should be doing at that moment. Yeah. I try to go embed myself with other folks. So like sure. I'll just go hang out or I'll go hang out in the wardrobe room and the makeup room. Yeah. And just be in the space and just hear what the what the crew's talking about. Right. Hear what people are conversing about, like what's been happening on set. Was there some weird thing that happened over mm-hmm. there? There's mm-hmm. there's always this fun sort of adventure. Or I'm sure even there's moments where I feel, and Natasha's maybe talked about this, but like I don't say necessarily meditate specifically, but like I feel this way sometimes during lunch where I'm like, if if I don't inevitably have the second AD, <laughs> here's the call <laughs> sheet, you know, yeah. like, well, just, 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 just the conversation about like, Hey, we're, what, here's what's coming up tomorrow, you know, or, or even on some of the bigger stuff I've worked on recently, I'm very grateful that like I'm having a meeting with the rigging crew for the set that's coming up tomorrow. Like those are very good problems to have, but you just never get quiet moments. And so if I do have that opportunity, it's like, I'm going to go eat lunch alone over here because it'd be lovely to just not hear people speak for like a few (laughs) minutes (laughs) to just have some peace and quiet for a moment, you know, like, and I think it's again about being healthy in that way of sort of trying to take care of yourself uh, uh, during that work day so that you can kind of come back reinvigorated and, and because it can be incredibly stressful sometimes. hundred percent. But man, I love being on set. Oh, it's the best. Oh, that's I why I, that's why set. I, the high is undefeated. Yeah, It can be really, really stressful and really daunting and scary and all that. Again, I'm very comfortable to just be honest about those things. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody feels that, mm-hmm. you know, we shouldn't fake trying 100%. to be performative in a set. I mean, on set, yeah, you gotta, you put on a face, but, you know, offset, I'm comfortable talking about that stuff, but, um, nothing beats it when it comes to that high. And it's why I, you know, I started running around with my buddies in sixth grade, making little movies mm-hmm. and then ended up, you know, eventually in film school together. Just been doing it. Basically. It feels like I've just been doing it ever since. Essentially. It's just gotten more, you know, big and blah, 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 but it, but it's still chasing that make believe and that high and that, mm-hmm. that coming together of like, you put together the magic trick and you, you nail the magic trick, you know? Yeah. Um, for me, it can't be beat in that regard. I love it, man. And it, like on all different levels, even if it's just me putting something together with a group of people and friends of mine and everybody coming together, there's this overwhelming sort of love and sense of respect I have for folks that mm. decide that they're going to do something for you and that they decide mm, that well like said. your story is worth their time. Right. There is just this over, like I, I become, I went from being a, a young sort of Boston, East Coast, hard, like non-emotional dude to being mm. a very emotional, empathetic person. Right. As I started to direct. And, you know, I like I'll get tears in my eyes when I see someone like getting out of the car at like 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, they've got a coffee in their hand and they've been fucking pulling fucking cable through the woods all night. Yeah. 
Yeah. And they come walking over and they're just like, what's up, boss? And you're yeah, just like, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. No, like, and I think that that goes a really long way because that's, you know, look, I, I talk to a lot of, not talk to, I make good friends are a lot of the below the line. Me, me, yeah. me too. I'm a part of it also, but I'm not pulling cable through the woods. Yeah. So I have a huge amount of respect for those guys. Um, and I, I, I had done it a little bit, but, um, but it, uh, yeah, that, that getting that sense from the leadership and not in a eye roll patronizing way, mm-hmm. a genuine mm-hmm. way. Um, you know, the joke is, you know, like the coffee truck or the pizza, you know, whatever, like that type of stuff, like a genuine, like connection that you have with another human being is it really, really, really goes a long way. And I think people really appreciate it because it is very, very hard work. And, um, sometimes they get very little from it. Yeah. Dude. You know, um, not, not to say, I think some, I hear some people say things where it's like, you know, they're here just for the paycheck or whatever. And I'm like, well, if they're here for the paycheck, they'd probably do something else. Yeah, like it'd be a lot easier. They wouldn't be doing a 16 hour day. When yeah, the fucking I month. don't know that they, I think that they, I think that they love it. I think that's, that's kind of yeah, they short be, changing them in a way that's a little disrespectful. in a bucket in a fucking scissor lift. <laughs> right. yeah. Very well said. You know yeah. Which by the way is a real thing. Yeah. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh they 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 love movies and and yeah. they like the circus of it all, you know, yeah. let's be real. Um so having that appreciation goes a really long way and it all it all comes back to respect at the end of the day. I've had such good relationships with crew. I got to tell you one, one side note that like kind of depresses me. I can't even tell you how many times on set I have people come up to me going, "Thank you so much for being so respectful." And what I think about is well, what's everybody else doing? Yeah, why is like, that? I'm just a- treating you like a human being. <laughs> yeah. I'm not this like special, like walking around giving presents to everybody or whatever. I'm just like, thanks for not shitting on me today. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'm like, oh my God, like what the fuck? Um, so, so I think as long as you treat other people with respect and like a, a fellow human being. Yeah, man. It goes, it goes a long way. I try to tell this... There's this thing that happens with the line, right? Above the line, below the line. We, right. we, you talk about this all the time. And I think the line, in order to be someone that's above the line, you have to sling some bullshit. And that's the whole thing. Like, well said. You're slinging a lot of bullshit to, to convince people to give you money. Yeah. You're slinging a lot of bullshit to convince people to come and work for you. Yeah. That's what you're doing. And it's the business requires you to be confident. The business requires you to have that kind of bullshit stuff. But then you can very simply and very easily believe your own bullshit. Yeah. That's part of the process. Well said. Yeah. And I think that uh, the best thing in the world for those of you who are destined to be above the line, <laughs> right? And you're living the life of the people that are destined to be above the line, you're missing out. Yeah. If you're just playing in the above the line world, which is very fucking stressful, yeah. uh, very false, very face value. Mm-hmm. It's it's all that kind of bullshit. It's right. it's very unsatisfying. Mm. If that as a filmmaker, if that's the only world that you're living in, is yeah. that uh, you really should examine what it takes to do everything. And there is a general curiosity. I mean, you're talking to a guy that started as a blue collar guy, painted houses, worked in machine shops, and did all that stuff. Right. There is something incredibly fascinating about what it takes to fucking load a truck. Yeah. So like take all this equipment and fit it inside of a vehicle and right. and and be fast on your on your hands and on your feet. Like, oh shit, we gotta turn this around. Oh yeah, I didn't stack that all the way in the back because I've been here long enough. Mm-hmm. I know that you're probably mm-hmm. gonna need that rolly stand again and it's gonna be off the truck. Yeah. And actually be able to like hang out with these guys and put your hands on these stands and actually go, 
man, this thing's fucking he- How many times a day am I making you lift this fucking thing? Well, I think it's, it, it, totally agree. And I think it's important for, look, some people, they're old enough and they're doing their thing and like that, I don't know, that ship has maybe sailed. Sure. But I do think that if you're young and you're starting out, the best filmmakers I've worked with are the ones that have at least experienced to a pretty solid degree different departments and different experiences yes. on set. Yes. Um, I can think of many off the top of my head who, I'm not saying you necessarily have to go you know, work, work some of these jobs, but yeah, you can just, there's a, there's a greater understanding as to how this machine works in a way that again is serving, not necessarily just saying like, Oh, it's just serving the director, whatever. I I don't necessarily think that's accurate, but it is, there is a hierarchical element to it, which I personally love about it. I think it's very, I don't want to be a director. I'm very, cinematography is my life. It's what I'm dedicated to. I've done a little bit of directing. I don't, I talk about this thing about responsibility mm-hmm. and it's like, for me, it crosses a line into a certain area of responsibility that I personally <laughs> feel very uncomfortable with. Where I'm like, nope, yeah, yeah. I'm good. Whereas, um, it does. <laughs> yeah. Whereas uh, uh, operating, interestingly enough, then is not enough for me. Yeah. Again, this is again, not judgment on either side at all. It's like I've psychoanalyzed myself and I've gone, where am I most satisfied and cinematography, I, I fit in this area that just personality-wise really fulfills me in all the ways. That's great that you've done that examination. That's, Extremely that's lucky and 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 very very fortunate, and at a young age too. But um, but 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 it's just to say that if you don't have at least some form of understanding, and I think this applies to pretty much anybody on the crew, what happens, especially you get on bigger stuff, is you get a lot of that's not my department. That's not my concern. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't care about that. Everything starts to get a little tribal and territorial. And it's like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, hopefully, and people can call me naive or whatever else, but it's like we're a film family and we're all here for the same goal. Mm -hmm. Now, look, with that safety, people being treated respectfully, being paid respectfully, all of these things I'm saying this in a sense that those things are given. A lot of time they're not, by the way. That's a whole other conversation we can get into, like abuse and whatever else. Very, very, very real. But going back to people and personalities and why are we there, not being taken advantage of, but working together as a team for the thing. And I think by doing other stuff and being educated about it, your empathy grows, your understanding grows. And as inevitable challenges come your way, you have a you have a group understanding of what it is that's happening as opposed to just this is about me this is what I, what is my problem and kind of fuck everybody else right i don't think is a good way to work in this industry make movies make and, and i keep saying movies but like live action projects in general yeah you know? dude, no 100%, i think straight across the board and and you know, to go back to what we were talking about before, the pacing, right? So, yeah. so many fucking directors are pacing and so many directors are, are playing over someone's shoulder. And I think the more inexperienced and the more nervous you are, um, you might be hiding like I used to when I was mm-hmm. younger. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a, so much better, there's a better use of your time. And I think the, the use of your time could be just examining and looking around and seeing how people do things. Mm. And if you understand those moments and like, if I suddenly looked at your frame and went, this is completely fucking wrong. We got to swap to the other side of the room. Yeah. I have to understand. Please tell us that as soon as possible. Yeah. I have to, under- I have to understand <laughs> yeah. what that's going to require. Right, right. And instead of me just going and just fucking do it and yeah. then walking away. Right, right. I actually watch the thing. And like, 
There's yeah, understanding pro- the repercussions of something like that, which, by the way, happens. And if it's what's best for the piece, right? We'll fucking lick our wounds and deal with it because that's the reason why we're there. The problem is you do that, and then later in the day you're flipping out because you're you fucked yourself on yeah, X, yeah. Y, and Z. Sure, you should understand. Which I'll, I'm the type of DP where I'll pull you aside and say like, "We're down." But you're sure yeah. because of this, you know, um, and the best filmmakers get. Nope, don't worry about it because I'm doing this, this, this. Got it. Copy everybody. Stop. Yes. We got flipped the room, you know? Yeah. And if you watch that and I've done this before, like you watch that and you see the profi- the, the, the precision that uh, a lot of these lighting teams have where they're like, boom, and they're, you've got guys pulling the light stands down. You've got guys putting the shit together. You've got another set of guys that are rerunning power. Like all that stuff now is going to be on camera. So like everybody's yeah. coming in and they're doing this stuff. And when you watch it, you see how fast and how safe and how quick these folks are doing that move. And if they see you watching that, mm-hmm. then when you go over, before you do the shoot, I would just go over and be like, high fucking five dudes, like right. all the way down the line. Like, right. I saw what you guys did. That's the shit. Let's yeah. get to the shot. Those people are loyal to you, like yeah, 100%, yeah, yeah. because yeah. you respect the time and energy that it takes to do that stuff. And then- if you're not watching that thing, then you're missing how your movie's getting made. Yeah, totally. And 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 also again, one of these personalities and 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 again, also that these things can be thankless. And 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 look, if we want to even not, not trying to get manipulative and psychological here, but it's like people like being told these things. It's yes. a it's a nice feeling, you know what I mean? It's yes. it's it's um and look, at the same time, though, you know, sometimes, oh, man, you just don't even have the time or the headspace to deal of with course. these things. But I think if you do, it's I've had days where I arrive on set and I'm in my head a bit and I notice a half an hour, an hour into the day that like I didn't say hi to a bunch of people because mm-hmm. I'm just so like stressed out. And you're yeah, in there. just yeah. in there. And I catch myself and I'm like. You have time to walk up to them and shake their hand and look them in the eyes and say hello to them and and just stuff like that. Because, again, you're a little family. You're on top of each other. Things get tense. And that respect goes a really long way. And well, usually you have time to do it. And look, some people are real business and just don't give a shit. And people would maybe consider them a little rude or whatever else. And, you know, you're from the Boston area. I'm from the New York area. So I've got <laughs> thick skin. I can deal. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't really care. But I do right. think that... Um, that again, especially on long form stuff, it's important to, and I've caught myself in moments being like, oh, you didn't introduce yourself or you didn't, hey, you should go do that. Get out of your own head and, mm-hmm. intera- and interact with these fellow human beings you're in this space mm-hmm. with. Dude, you because know? It, what you're doing is you're just, I don't want it to sound manipulative and this shouldn't be the reason why you do it, but yeah. what the the side effects are, you're you're making sure that they see you as an authority and they respect you as an authority yeah, because you respect their work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that way when shit goes bad, they know you've got their back, but they're also, they're ready to, to dive into it. Ultimately, because that generally happens. Most well, they of the also, time. they, they want a good, everybody wants to work for a good leader. Yeah. That's very, very, very important. Yeah. And I think that's very important for filmmakers and producers to understand, which is why when things get slinged around a bit in a way that's, you know, oh, fuck them or blah, 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 whatever. It's like, if we're working for someone that we genuinely respect, and that can be for many, many reasons, again, you've done movies that they love or whatever, that you have a certain, you know, that's a, you're quite fortunate in that instance, but a lot of the time it's like, you know, they don't know who you are. Maybe they might even be a little, you know, 
off the boat just sort of fuck this guy you know yeah, <laughs> that, that yeah. type of thing um yeah you work in the east coast you get a lot of that oh totally totally yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 it's also just kind of fun like winning people over and just being you know yeah oh they they you know people start to people go in judgmental because look the, the truth is and i've experienced this a lot as even as a cinematographer and crew experiences it way more is um you get treated like shit. Yeah. So why wouldn't you naturally go into a situation where you are protecting yourself? Trauma, man. Right, exactly. Trauma, right. And so, you know, I, I think that it's important and people, they just, they want to follow people that they respect, that treat them well and, you know, use the military stuff. It's like, you know, go into battle with or whatever. And it's yeah. like, you want to be able to. So I think that's really important that's important for all things in humanity is just like good leadership. And, and unfortunately a lot of time it's missing. And, and when you come across it, it's a really special thing. That's for me as a cinematographer. That's what I'm all about is that I'm like, I want to just work with people who I really respect and look up to. hundred percent, you know, 100%. That's how I feel as a director. Yeah. For me, it's like, I always say this, like putting on a movie is like putting on a barbecue. It's like, who am I inviting to the barbecue? Yeah. Who's showing up? Who gets along really well? Who am I going to have conversations with? Who am I going to learn from? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's it's not this game of like, I know fucking everything, guys. So I'm coming to like sure. give sure. you, you know, the word of the Lord as I come <laughs> on set. It's it's like, I barely know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, I've got all these really great ideas and I've done my homework. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this, a lot of this was on a sketch pad. Mm -hmm. who knows what the fuck's gonna happen when we yeah, do this yeah 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 right you right. know when we get the lens out let's let's get it out and see what the fuck happens and, and I think that's what I love about fucking filmmaking is just when you when you set the tone for this you create that space yeah where you know no one even no one even has to come up to you and say mm -hmm. hey thanks for being a great person because it's it's a, and no one has to say like hey make sure that your crew is uh uh as uh diverse as possible of course it is yeah right 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 like right. that's never been an issue like yeah. of course it is it's the best people it's the coolest people that you want to hang out with it's mm. the people that you want to be around for 15 fucking hours a day yeah and you know great talent great actors and let's see what happens yeah no no completely and again do you have those personalities that are that are sort of down for for all of that and if they're not maybe a little bit then can you kind of convert in a sense where they sort of are are excited about what's what's happening yeah you know yeah man it becomes infectious in a way i miss it <laughs> yeah you'll be there so it, that's the thing it always it always comes back and i miss it i've I'm been like doing a, it long I'm enough like a now. drug addict right yeah no 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 same same, yeah, same, yeah. same same that's another thing too as a dp i get to i get to i get to be there a lot and and a lot of directors don't yeah. and i hear that i hear that that's probably the most common thing i hear is um oh i wish i was on set more and i love that i get to spend you know, a good amount of time there. Let's, yeah. This this year again, tough tough year. But um, but but that is still I get to be there pretty pretty often, all things considered. And I'm um very grateful for that because it's one of my favorite places to be. I'm I'm jealous, man. Because it's yeah. the the. I mean, your wife's a director, so you mm -hmm. know it's yeah. it's this game of like talking to management, talking to agents, going oh, out man. for meetings, and like, oh, yeah. is this the right time for a meeting? Am I going for generals? What am I doing? And how am I pitching this thing? And ah, oh, the world isn't ready for this thing. And blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And so the next thing you know, like a year and a half goes by, two years go by, and you're like, what Oh, yeah, no, you can fuck? blink. You can blink and it can go by. That's why, by the way, side note, to go back to the crew thing for a second, it's like I, um, sometimes I've, I've been in the, in, in a moment of quiet with some folks, and they're kind of talking shit a little bit, and I, 
try my best to remind them in a respectful way that I'm like, you have no idea. This is, I get what you're saying right now, but this person has spent years on this. Um, and, and we need to be respectful of the fact that, that, you know, be a little empathetic, essentially, just like they should be to you. Um, about the fact that this job is very, very, very difficult in a way that I think until you see it and you live it, yeah. it's hard to understand. So I, I, I get yeah, that, yeah. but I try to remind them in a sense that I'm just like, trust me, this person didn't just say, I want to make a movie and someone handed it to them, <laughs> yeah. which of course is there are privileged, overly privileged people that get away with the light. That's a very big part of the world that we sure. live in, of course. But I can tell you most of the time, um, yeah, they they've gotten their ass kicked and and respect that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and don't don't yeah, don't yeah. pass judgment so easily, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because everybody thinks they know how everybody yeah. thinks they know how movies are made. Sure. And you, yeah. you even you know, even myself, you spend so much time learning the, the the stuff that you can learn, which is like I place a camera here and I do this and I yeah. do that, and I learn how to work with actors, kind of, and that takes fucking forever. And then yeah. you're like, wow, I had no idea how that works. And then you come with all those skills to the business mm -hmm. side of it. And yeah. you're like, none of those skills mean anything on this side. No, it's completely different. And I actually, I think there's a new challenge that has arisen now in my mid thirties. It like is, again, I said this to you offline in the beginning. It was like, I've, I'm like, oh my God, I almost know too much now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, like be, because I know the other side of the business and, you know, it's again, it's like, I almost wish I could MIB myself sometimes sure. and be, you know, just Vittorio Storaro, like color <laughs> theory and light. And like, <laughs> it's like, but, but I think at the same time though, it is a lifestyle and it's a reality and it's a part of it. And so it does inform the, the reality of the business in a way. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, again, respecting the fact that this part is really difficult. And I just have the utmost respect for the people who who do do that and um, can be special filmmakers and can be respectful because the challenge that I'm coming across is how do you keep that that light bulb, that 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 optimism, that, yes. that just pure, that 12-year-old Alex who was yes. just down and saw like his first Kubrick movie and was like, oh my God, you know what I mean? Like, how do you, and yes. again, it's deep in me, so it's not going anywhere, but is an interesting, again, I feel comfortable talking about these things where it's like, it's this reality of getting older, learning more cynicism, all of this stuff that starts to play a role and, um, and, and staying tried and true to, you know, again, being respected, being taken care of, you know, keeping the lights on and making money mm -hmm. and taking care of your family, mm -hmm. but also be loving that, that part of it mm -hmm. in a way that is just undeniable. And I think that is a, that, that is a new thing that starts to happen as you get older. That is mm -hmm. an interesting challenge. And again, some people listening to this won't identify with that at all. And some people will. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I think it is an age element thing. Um, and it's something, it's just a reality. Well, yeah. Know? I mean, basically, it's just because well, I'm 45 now. So basically, yeah. it's just years and years and years of you asking for permission to do what it is that you love. Mm. That's it. Yeah. It's, 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 we're in one of the few art forms where we're not allowed to do it as yeah, a director. Well said. Well said. And so yeah. you have all these beautiful ideas, you have all these original ideas, and you're, you're constantly having to go to people that aren't in it for the same reason. Mm -hmm. And they're going, no. No, no. Now, yeah. I don't get it. I don't understand that. 
I don't understand this. And so when you start, you start really vibrant and you start like, hey, look, I have these crazy fucking notions and I had this dream and it's beautiful and I want to get lost in this. And then you have to bring it to money people who are like, I don't understand how I'm going to make my money back on yeah. any of those things. Yeah, because it, it is expensive. We're going to get real for a expensive. second. It's a, it's a, it's, it is an expensive thing to do, you know? Very. And therein lies the problem, in my personal opinion. Yeah, 100% do. You know? 100%. If it was cheaper, I'd do it every week. Yeah, exactly. You know? And so, you know, you have to sort of struggle with this where, you know, you show up, you're bright-eyed, you're ready to go, everybody's excited because you've made something, and they're like, you're the next coming of Jesus, and you have like that week of whatever that is. And then the reality starts to set in when they go, oh, that's really great, but can you change this and change that and change this? And then you you start falling really, really, really deep into the business side of stuff, which you then realize is very sort of trend-chasing, very shallow, sure, and uh, very not creative. No, completely. completely. And so then you come out of that and maybe you've been through some shit. Maybe you've been through some really devastating rejections and maybe you've mm. been through some almost going and now not happening. Oh and then yeah, I've been, trust me, I've, I've death, got stories. Yeah, death of, of ideas and yeah. projects. And so then now you're at the back end of this and you're just callous and you have to like pick yourself up after someone just comes in and shoots your child in front of you. <laughs> right. And you have to pick yourself up, raise another kid, Mm. And then bring it back to the same person that <laughs> shot your kid. You know, oh boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 very very real. The, the the strength that that takes, the vulnerability that that takes. I have the utmost respect for it. And, and, and so to get to the callousness, what happens is that you get incredibly calloused. Yeah, and, and you get really intense with it. And I found myself in this position multiple times. And and you're right. When you hit a certain age point, suddenly you're looking at yourself because you go through your you go through your 30s, right? And mm. that's when you're starting to get those real hits in, mm. in the 30s. Next thing you know, you're crossing into your 40s. Yeah. And you're like, I'm a fucking cranky fuck. Like <laughs> now I'm I'm the guy that's bitching about stuff. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying that's exactly what I'm trying to like. I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy. Dude, I just addressed it on the last episode of the show where yeah. I came on the show and I apologize because I'm like, the name of the show is in love with the process, and I've been fucking griping for mm. like the longest period of time because. Oh, that's good of you to to identify. Yeah, I, it's, it's, I had that's to. Big of you, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was a dream that made me do it. But anyway, <laughs> so so you go through this process, and and I'm sure it also has to do with the fact that I'm uh, listening to uh, Rick Rubin's book on creativity right now, which is mm. which is oh yeah, great. Oh, I gotta, I gotta, yeah, that's it's a good, that's a good recommendation. Great, yeah. Cool. It's on Audible, and it's, he he records it with his voice. And what I find myself doing is I listen to it probably for about five minute stints before my brain starts to wander. So I'm always mm -hmm. like, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. And he's so hyper focused on um, creating an environment for you to be creative, mm -hmm. understanding that you literally have no control over how it works or how it plays, and allowing yourself to accept creativity and understand that uh, you should have a rhythm with how you do your work, which I'm terrible at right now, but you should mm -hmm. have a rhythm with how you do your work. Mm -hmm. you, if you're a painter, you show up, you wash your brushes, you set your canvas, you stretch your canvas, and you wait, and understand that you're building an atmosphere for lightning to strike. And when mm -hmm. lightning does strike, how to ride that lightning to the very end. Oh, I love that. It's yeah, I definitely really got to cool. listen to that. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the biggest challenges of what we, again, there's so many other wonderful, wonderful, uh, wonderful uh, art, art forms. Film is tough in that 
the business, not only the business element that we're talking about, again, in my world, more specifically production, mm-hmm. it, uh, yeah, time is just brutal. And the reality of so many compromises and, and frankly, so many frustrating things that can get in the way of those elements. But then of course, the, the wonderful surprises and the things that happen sure. in the magic and sure. it's a constant push and pull, but how to, how to ride that is like, I think it's one of the reasons why I fell in love with it. And the reason why I continue to be in love with it. And the con- reason why I like, think I'll do it until they, you know, I don't know, I'm in a wheelchair and they're like, get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, I um, keel, keel over crap yeah, services. It's just like, Oh, this guy is the worst. <laughs> um, but is, uh, uh, it, it, it is, um, there is no answer to these things. There is no mastery. There no. is no, you know, you're, you're just constantly on a journey of like learning and trying to balance this thing. I, uh, I love that. And I think that that's why it, but, but it is, these things are, are real, real challenges, yeah. um, that'll continue to be. And then of course, yeah, on the element of being a filmmaker and, and trying to get your movie made or whatever, and that whole journey and then prep and then, and then, and then post is a whole other thing and sales. And then, you know, I've watched my wife go through, you know, the festival circuit and PR and the mm. same question over and mm. over again all day long, you know, like that's another challenge, you know, yeah. how do you, how do you, you know, so all of these things are, they're difficult. Um, but what a, not to get too woo woo here, but like, what a, what an exciting life to live. Hey, dude. Like what an interesting, Unrivaled. wonderful, like, you know, and it, not for some people. And again, again, I know people who would hear that comment and go, oh, fuck off, you know, like, like this life's tough because of X, Y, and Z or whatever. No. I, but that's, that's no, it's, it's, it's the point is, is that it's different for, for everybody and everybody has their own things that they enjoy and like and their priorities. But for me, it's, um, I'm grateful for the fact that these mm. are, these are good problems to have mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. some of some of them i could maybe go back on that a little bit but 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 <laughs> others i would go you know i get to travel and meet different people and experiencing different worlds and and help create different worlds mm-hmm. and like ooh, i pinch myself sometimes in regard to how how i'm playing like make-believe all the time like Dude. it's it's crazy you know like very and very the, very very fortunate just the access yeah, the access alone. I mean, the look, I was saying to you before, like, like central, you know, I was in central Massachusetts earlier this year and, um, you know, uh, just going around to some beautiful old colonial homes, lo- location scouting. That was like my day. Just going around, meeting nice people, meeting their cute dogs and seeing, they're telling me, oh, this house was built this time and blah, blah, blah. And here's the history and yada, yada. And, um, you're just like walking around checking out these places and learning about this part of the country and what these people are like and like you know Louisville Kentucky and southern Georgia and um you know so I might cool. I might be in Cape Town in a month or two cool, South man. Africa making a movie you know it's like we'll, we'll see but Crazy. but the point is like you get to um yeah, you have access in a way that's really exciting yeah you know? yeah and if you're if you're a good storyteller you're taking advantage of that access and being empathetic because yes, all that stuff yeah. will come into the piece no, and that's that's storytelling in general. I think, yeah. you know, from caveman sitting around a campfire to, you know, all this stuff is it's it's just everyone's trying to understand one another, trying to get in, you know, the greater understanding of what the hell all this is. And that's essentially what the <laughs> what the exercise is, is 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 that, you know, yeah, yeah. and and being able to interpret that through a particular creative medium is uh and then and then get really granular and specific and obsessed with it is uh i think really fun and exciting that's great man well i should probably wrap this up we've been chatting for a while yeah 
Yeah. But uh, this is great, man. I, I'm, it's it's really wonderful to meet you. Yeah, man. You too. And uh, I respect your work and I respect Thanks, your outlook. Thank you. Which Thank is you. great. You too. You too. And um, what's next for you? Well, I mean, we'll we'll see. I. Uh, there's um so you had a uh, alan unger on mm-hmm. for bandit yep. uh, last year um alan and i did the uncharted short all that it looks like we have a movie um but look i've been doing this long enough i had two movies earlier this year dying prep mm-hmm. one after the other Ugh. i'm talking one was four weeks out one was one week Ugh. out yeah brutal brutal one week out yeah one week out yeah yeah, yeah. um and and I don't say that as a as a sad sap story. It's just a reality as to these things happen. I you know that poor director. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Oh, trust me. I, I, I yeah. That's God, a that's damn. a story for another time. But it 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 just these things come and go, and sometimes they work out, and sometimes they don't. Um, mm-hmm. The one that was four weeks out, I just got word the other day maybe back. Then the one with Alan is really close to going, but it may not. Yeah. And that's something I've come to terms with where it's like, okay, I'm lucky. I get these calls. I'm on a list of people that hit me up when they get jobs. I'm working. I'm keeping the lights on. Little commercial in a couple of weeks. Like, I know some people who didn't work six, seven months this year. No, it's been crazy. You know? And so I am just grateful that I'm able to do what I do. And I've now come to this place where, I'm, so I didn't, there was like a couple years there where I didn't shoot a movie. There was a, there was a little gap. And I was like, oh my God, I'm never shooting a movie again, <laughs> right? And then it exploded and I shot like three in a year. And so I keep coming to this thing where I'm like, it'll come back around. Keep doing what I'm doing. Keep hustling, keep doing the thing. I love my main thing is shooting movies, being a partner to that whole thing and telling narrative stories in that format. And um, another one will come. It may be in a, literally maybe in a month from now. Yeah. It may be in six. You know, like that's just, that's how it, that's how it goes. So yeah. we'll see. We'll that's see. Good, that's good advice, man. Yeah. Keep plugging. And it's, yeah. it's just about longevity and yeah, know, just keep yeah. plugging. And I'm lucky. I've got, you know, my wife's wonderful. We have the best little dog ever. And, you know, we, uh, uh, we got a little family and then, you know, family's great. Friends, everybody's healthy. It's like, life's good. You that's know? great, dude. Yeah. Good to meet you. Yeah. You too, man. Thank you. There it is, episode in the can. That was a good one. I like him, man. He's a good dude. I like his outlook, right? I like what he's doing. He, he does really good work. You know? I, I like the fact that even though he is a gear person, he's not hyper-focused on that. You know? As a director, you know, meeting a cinematographer, you're always worried about that, right? You're. It's like, does this guy come with his own, you know, truck full of gear? Is he going to be trying to sell me on his camera equipment? You know? Does he know about the visual language, right? And I know it's a weird thing to say, but there are different cinematographers out there for different jobs, different productions, right? And I'm always looking to surround myself with the type of folks that are obsessed with uh, movies the way I'm obsessed with movies. Um, I was saying, let me see if I can pull it up here. I was saying that uh, I am listening to Rick Rubin's recent book on creativity, um, it is on uh, an audiobook. You see, whatever sort of uh, you know audiobook service that you use is definitely there. 
Um, but uh, the book is called The Creative Act, A Way of Being by Rick Rubin. Um, and uh, it's been great. It's been really great. I've been listening to it while riding my bike in the morning. And it's, you know, I'm really trying to refocus myself, you know, and allow creativity in and allow myself to to give me a break and and basically let the creative process uh, do its thing instead of me trying to strangle it all the time, you know, and uh, for me to just sort of fall back in love with everything again. So, um, we, I, I think I was a bit more positive on today's episode. Was I, was I positive on today's episode? I think so. Right. We talked about all the stuff we like. You guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. We did. Okay. I did. All right. <laughs> I love you guys. Um, thank you, Alex, for being on the show. Thanks for sharing so much. Um, and, uh, can't wait to hang out again. Uh, if you're listening, we should definitely do wine. That wasn't just me being an LA guy going, we should hang out. And then we never fucking hang out. We'll figure it out, dude. All right. Um, that's it. I'll let you go. Thanks for listening. A lot more episodes on the way. Thanks for being a part of our show. Thanks for being a, a, a fan, a super fan, a member of In Love With The Process. It means a lot to me that you're here. It means a lot to me that I can talk to all of you. It means a lot to me when you guys talk to me as well. So, like I said, leave me any messages that you want on Instagram at Mike Petchy. All right? I'm out. Thanks for listening. 